Hey, man, I'm Derek Gordon. It's that Midnight Hustle. And you know what? Based on your response on that last episode that we did regarding NWA Cyberspace, it was only a matter of time before we came back with part two. And of course, my tag team partner today, same guy that was with me way back when in the trenches when we were running NWA Cyberspace, he's got his own podcast. You need to check it out. It's called Toddy D's Pro Wrestling Podcast. But the one and only Todd DePama, a.k.a. Brooklyn known, Brooklyn's own Toddy D back in the house what's going on brother hey what's going on bro the last time i checked my shorts i'm brooklyn zone toddy d it's great to be back <laughs> and i'm looking forward to it, my man man you know it's so funny I, I wasn't expecting to get the response that we got on that last episode i mean it's, it's overwhelming I'm, I'm really happy and, and proud of what we put out there and what we discussed in the origins a lot of stories that people didn't know about billy firehawk in the beginning of cswf but then, of course, it was that negative portion of it. You know, a lot of skeletons came popping out of the closet and uh, it, it made it for I don't want to say a rough oh, yeah. week, but it was just one of those situations where, like, I, I think people are missing the reason and the point of what we're doing. And and um, I, I'd like to clarify that. I, I know you've gotten some emails and shit, right? Oh, yeah. I got a lot of feedback from the show. My friends were like, this is really cool. He, they feel like they were watching ESPN, but a wrestling version. They said, <laughs> you guys are kicking ass. We love the stories. We want more. And the two hours they said went by like in a shot like that. Man, we, we've got so much to cover. But before that, let's give a quick disclaimer because I, I think, like I said, pe people are getting a little, um, a little in over their heads. I'm not doing this to to bury anybody. I'm not doing this um, to toot my own horn. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, the Midnight Hustle is my brand. I, I've started this brand, and it's not a pro wrestling podcast. Everything that the Midnight Hustle is is things that I've created in my entire career. From the beginning, before there was a cyberspace, the stuff that I've done outside of wrestling and, and dealing with in the entertainment business, and, and a number of other things. Cyberspace was just a, a chapter of my life. And with Billy gone, I wanted that memory to continue going. And I also wanted, I, I mean, I'm a owner of the content. So why let it go to waste? There's so many of those stars now who, who are performing on television, whether it's WWE or AEW or, or anywhere in the That's world, right. it, it's just an opportunity to relive those those memories of things that I was a part of creating. There's, there's so much more that we have to talk about, but I feel like people see the Midnight Hustle and they think automatically, oh, well, you know, I want to come on and talk about it. Were you involved in any of the decision making? Were you involved in any of, of the backstage politics? I mean, if not, then what story do you really have to tell? If it, Anything, Todd. This is something that you've wanted to do for a long time. And we talked about doing this on the Toddy D podcast. for the longest time to do this shit. To be perfectly honest, it took so long because I didn't think anybody wanted to hear it. I didn't think anybody would remember it, um, let alone want to hear it. And like I said, it was an overwhelming response. But I did want to clarify that I'm not trying to bring back old grudges. I'm not trying to bring back, um, you know, old heat. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. And again, the Midnight Hustle. Right. has nothing to do it's not cyberspace owned it's not exclusively cyberspace i'm just in that portion right now of the brand where i have so much content i'm like let me get get it all out there and when it's done it's done for good at least it'll have a house where it can sit and people can enjoy the matches and enjoy the stories but i don't want people getting this twisted thinking that this is a pro wrestling podcast or that this is um me taking liberties at the expense of NWA cyberspace. Hey, I'm just here to talk about the good times, the stories. Of course, of course. And, and you know, I, I was getting a, a lot of um, a lot of messages. I won't say from who, but I was getting messages from people like, oh, you were burying Dave Levy. I was like, whoa, 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 time out. I was not burying Dave Levy, okay, at all. I was no, telling not at all. 
I was telling the story the way it's the truth. This is what happened. And let me let me just set the record straight right now. And then we'll get off the topic. I want to put a bow on this. I have no quarrel with Dave Levy whatsoever. Dave Levy is a good guy. Whatever happened. Yeah. I mean, you, you dealt with him. I mean, yeah. Did he have his issues and stuff like that? I mean, that, that were a little unprofessional towards the end of his tenure there, obviously. But and if you put yourself in Dave's shoes, anybody would feel that way. Here's some fucking guy that comes of out course. of nowhere. Nobody likes being replaced. Right. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, and, and I'm sure that was a bad thing for him to experience, that he was a part of this thing from the beginning as well, that some guy came in and, and again, not to toot my own horn, but succeeded in, in turning the company around and bringing in, uh, you know, bigger names and, and drawing larger crowds and making it somewhat profitable than it, than it was before. I'm not going to sit here and talk about CSWF shows that I wasn't a part of. There's a lot of those shows out there right. prior to me getting there. There's a lot of those shows when Billy started bringing in the TNA talent, and I wasn't a part of that. I have no nickel in that in that dollar at all. I, I have the only thing that I have is an opinion of the shows, and I don't need to share that because again, it's my opinion. But I can't tell you what went on. Right. But again, I, I never set out to bury Dave. I never set out to throw Dave under the bus. If anything, and then let's keep it real here, Dave shot himself in the foot three times. Um, so, I mean, if we want to clear the air on that, yeah. the first time was during a creative meeting. Before we even get into that, let me just explain that I did everything that I could to smooth that over. I got to NWA Cyberspace right. in 2004 and NWA Cyberspace closed in 2007. Dave Levy left in the beginning of 2006. So that was about a year and a half that we still worked. Now, even though I was running creative there and doing a lot of the marketing and promotions and, and things of that nature, I still felt obligated to keep Dave involved outside of the wrestling business. That's still Billy's friend. And, and right, I didn't want to. The, but the bottom line is he didn't want to, you know, take a back seat to you. If he wasn't like, you know, in the driver's seat, he wasn't interested. I hate the way it sounds. Take a back seat to me. I wasn't there to take over. I, that, Billy put me in a certain position. I was doing my job and I, I refused to apologize for doing a job. Right, but the work you were doing, you proved yourself. It, it speaks for itself. If you look at what the shows were that I wasn't a part of compared to the ones that I was a part of, right. It's a big difference. It's night and day, but it, it, th that was never my intention. Billy just said, Hey, can you help? Can you do certain things? Can you bring certain people in? Can you help polish this up? And I did it. If I did it good, great. We all right. succeed as a team. NWA Cyberspace was a team, and I was doing the best I could for the team. Dave, on the other hand, didn't see it that way. Think about something, what you just said. You brought your stuff to the table that Billy expected of you. Mm -hmm. You delivered. You held your end of the bargain. And Dave, on the other hand, no disrespect to Dave, but he didn't hold up his end, what he was supposed to do. And by you doing every responsibility that was asked of you, and you came forward, and you, know, you came through doing it, Billy said, okay, maybe he can do more. And little by little, Dave's responsibilities were taken away from him because let's just face it, he wasn't delivering the way you were. And that's what happened. It's, it's, it's a fact. And I'm sorry to put it out that way again, not here to play the dick flute solo. Yeah. That's, I hate that's to say it like happened. that, but it's a fact. Okay. But again, I felt obligated right. to keep Dave involved. I didn't say, hey, we got, I didn't go into Billy's ear like, yo, we got to get rid of this guy. Get me, I'm better. No, I came to fucking help. For the first couple of shows, I stepped back and only consulted. Billy wanted more of that. Billy saw the effectiveness of that. Right. I said, hey, Dave, here's something I can really use. I'm not as familiar with the independent scene as you are. I, I really don't fuck with the independents at all. 
maybe you can go out and start recruiting new talent. Go out to the other shows. Try to get some guys to come to our shows. Bring these videotapes so I can say, oh, man, there's, there's guys that we can work with. I basically, be a wrestling scout. Find us new buildings. Work management in the back. Um, Dave had this thing where he still wanted to be in the ring. And then that, right, that's where, right. where, his, where his first strike was. Um, I knew that I couldn't use Dave as a wrestler. Dave, Dave was a knockoff. Yeah, he wanted to wrestle. He wanted to manage. He wanted yeah. to do a, a lot of things. Um, like you said, man, we tried the manager thing. It wasn't effective. It's not effective when you got a guy, unless you're Captain Lou Albano, a Hawaiian shirt on a manager just doesn't work out. <laughs> um, I knew he wanted right, to be, right. I knew he wanted to be in right. front of an audience. So I said, hey, why don't I make you the ring announcer? I mean, you've got a great voice. You know how to cut a promo. Be our ring announcer. But you got to look the part sometimes. When you're going out there in, in you know, Tommy right. Bahama, shit ain't, it, it just doesn't click. And I, I, I'm sure he took that as a demotion also. So I, I'm sure he did. I wasn't going to fly. And, and I, I can't yeah. blame him for how he felt. I'm not going to apologize for what I did. That was my job. But I am sorry that you're you just felt. Doing your job. Right. right. I am sorry that you felt or you feel the way you feel. And, and so so here, here are the three strikes yeah. that happened. And, and this is how, how Dave ended up digging his own grave. One, we had a creative meeting one night. And I want to say it was before the show Above the Law. And while we were putting that show together, I had a certain spot. I can't remember exactly what spot it was. And I said, hey, Dave, won't you come in on, in, on, on this creative meeting and, and let's talk about it. Let's get your input. And he just started dropping the seeds. Well, you know, I never had my last match and people want to see that. I'm like, what fucking people besides said that? Who, who wants to see it besides him? Right. And I'm like, oh, so I'm thinking in my head, well, how do I put him in the ring? Like, I haven't built anything up. Does it make sense? Who do I put him? With? It's like that. That doesn't work. Yeah. He goes, it makes what zero if, sense. Right. And then this was a what we were discussing at the time was it was a major match. And then again, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. But he goes, well, what if during the match I come out with precious Paul Ellering? And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I'm like, dude, again, as a team, we're working to better the show. You're going into business for yourself. I understand you want one last hurrah in the ring. And after that, Billy was like, hey, we're never putting him on, on a creative call again. I said, look, that's what you got to deal with. Right. But if, was, you're gonna, if you're going to have that last match, a couple mm-hmm. of things have to happen. One, you have to be a name. Mm-hmm. Two, there has to be some kind of storyline. And three, most importantly, people are going to want to see this last hurrah. So if you don't have those three factors, what's the point of having this unquote last match? Look, man, real estate on the card is very valuable. So if, if we haven't built to it, if nobody has asked for like, oh, my God, one more match, one more match. We weren't getting that. He wasn't getting a response. I understand how he felt right, right, emotionally. Right. I couldn't cater to that. I had to focus on business. That was strike one. Strike right. two came I don't remember what it was, but he had asked Billy for some financial assistance to run a show. I'm not sure if you were there for that. He was doing a charity show at a high school somewhere. He needed a ring. Yes, I was at that show. Stuff. Okay. Yep. You know how I am. No matter. I, I did it when, when Billy and I used to go to the TNA, um, the TNA pay-per-views in Orlando. The first thing I would get there, because I already had a relationship right, with right. Jeff Jarrett and people there. I, I was like, that. hey. If there's anything that you need, let me know. I'm here to help. I, you know, if you need me to do anything backstage, I'll jerk the curtain if you want me to do it. But let me offer my services to you to show you that I'm a mm-hmm. professional. Right, right. I did the same thing for Dave. Hey, Dave, whatever you need, man, I'm here to help you. 
what, what, what can I do for you? Can I? Nothing. I got this. It's all good. I know when somebody's trying to stick something up my ass. Okay. I get it. I got sensitive right, ass course. cheeks. Once it's you get close to the hole, I'm like, yo, dude, do not enter. Okay. I get it. <laughs> That's right. I, I know he was trying to show me up saying, oh, I've seen you fucking take over my spot of cyberspace. Well, let me show you. I can fucking run a show. Let me show you what, how I, I can show show. you what I can do. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. Listen, I'm going to go sit on the stage with John Shane. And I think you were there too, unless you were working with Dave at the time. I couldn't, can't remember. I know John was there with me. And I was like, if I was, I was at that show. Yeah. I I was like, Um, if you need, if you need me for anything, please do not hesitate to ask. I'm here to help. Right. Right. Now, it wasn't an NWA cyberspace show. I'm not sure if it was using the cyberspace name. I think it was just to get people to come, but it wasn't telling any of the NWA cyberspace storylines or anything like that. We had a big show coming up, but he refused to yeah, advertise. Yeah, separate from the storylines. I remember that. Billy let him use the name. Billy helped finance some of it. I know it was a charity show. I know a lot of people also didn't show up there. So, yeah, you show me you can run a show, but what did you do to promote it? Yeah, what are it, you it doing? was a dead show. What yeah. are you doing to promote our show, our team show? For NWA Cyberspace, that's coming up in like two weeks. You didn't hand out any flyers. You refused to let us put anything up there. I was like, that didn't make any sense. Billy was hot. That was strike two. Well, he was being stubborn, man. He didn't want no help. And I get it. And I feel like he had something to prove to me, and he didn't. He made the matter worse. <laughs> for himself, if anything. Yeah, for I himself. Mean, it, Not it, for it, you, but for, yeah, for himself. It, it made it difficult yeah. for us because outside of wrestling, he still had a friendship with Billy. And, and these raw feelings were impacting that friendship. And I don't want to be the cause of that at all. I, that was never my intention. I never wanted to have, I, I'm not that guy. I, listen, I'm, you know it. We're both from Brooklyn. We don't like getting confrontational That's until right. we have to get confrontational. And when we do get confrontational, it's going to take all hell to so stop us. Up. I'm just talking about the bullshit <laughs> politics in the back. I do this. I go whisper in this ear. That's not me at no. all. I don't do it. I deal with shit face to face. You got me, a problem with me? Come here. Let's go fucking talk right. about it. Yeah. Yep. Let's sort this shit out. I'll respect you more if you tell me to my face. Even yeah. at the end, if if we agree to disagree, at least we can say, yo, we talked about it. You know where I stand. I know where you stand. It is what it is. We never really got there. It, it came right, briefly right. about a year before, and we never moved on from that, which really sucks, man, because Dave could have been a great credit. And, and, and we'll talk about it. We're going to be talking about a lot of the talent. Um, that was on cyberspace and Dave had a lot to do with that. So I, I don't want to make it seem like, like he was yeah. some piece of shit, just disrupting it. He, he had hurt feelings and, and I acknowledge that, but we were running a business. Right, right. The third strike came, I want to say Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. I'm in there. Okay. Opening gifts with my, my daughter, my phone's blowing up. I'm like, it's fucking Christmas. What could be so important? Exactly. And Dave and Billy are on the phone. Dave is just lashing out, just tearing us to shreds. I'm going to the DOI and I'm telling them everything. I'm exposing all of you. I'm telling them everything about everyone. They want to do a shoot interview with me. So again, I'm all I'm hearing is me, Jesus. me, me, me. And who gives a fuck about the DOI? Who was the DOI? You tell me, Todd. Declaration of Independence, a bunch mm-hmm. of nobodies setting people up, bitching about things. It was basically a poor man's TMZ. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, this is way before social media. That's so right. I we mean, they were innovators for the wrestling world, but they, they like to stir the pot. But what wrestling world? 
They were big in the Northeast. That's it. If you weren't in New York and New Jersey, maybe Connecticut, mm -hmm. I would give a fuck about that website. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, the DOI boards, they made me more famous than what I really was. <laughs> I mean, they were ripping me to shreds. They were saying that I was donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to cyberspace. I was like, wait a minute. If I have hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'd be running my own goddamn promotion. <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't understand the disruption that that website caused our business. We lost crowds. We lost buildings. We lost talent. All they did was fucking yeah. lie. Nothing but bullshit because they had a hard on for Billy for whatever reason. When I came along, I tried yeah. to squash whatever heat there was so that way it didn't impact the business. I was like, hey, listen, things are a little different now. The, the promotion's not being run the way it is. Let's let bygones be bygones. Let's work together moving forward. We'll buy some advertising space on your website. We'll right. do these things. But he had a whole fucking army of cronies coming up with bullshit lies, bullshit stories, stirring the pot, causing all sorts of messes that actually impacted our ability to do business. So Sean the Mick McCaffrey and all his fucking cronies, I hope you get ball cancer and AIDS. Go fuck yourselves. And in the words of Jesus and Mero, suck my dick from the back. That's all I'm going to say from them. Wow. Tell me how you really feel. If you'd like, I can. But <laughs> Dave Levy on Christmas yeah. morning tells us that he's going to a scathing conversation. You guys fuck me. I'm telling everything. I'm going to expose you. I'm gonna... It's like, what the fuck? Why? First what, of all, what are you exposing? Right. What I are mean, you exposing? What are you exposing? People don't that I know? did a good job, that I brought in talent, that I wrote good storylines. I mean, if you're going to expose me for that, go ahead. Yeah, knock yourself out. But why? I'm like, first of all, I can understand if you're hurt. We never had this conversation to squash our beef. You're doing this to Billy. Yeah. Billy, who gave you a fucking start? Nobody else was booking Dave on shows to be a wrestler or to be a booker for that fact. Why are you hurting your friendship with your no. dear friend over bullshit, over a fucking website that just likes to stir the pot right. over nonsense? Tore us apart. And on that day, that's when Billy pulled the fucking plug. I said, Billy, I'm celebrating Christmas with my family. Go handle your boy. I'm not fucking dealing with him. That was the last I heard from That's Dave. Until me after the holidays. Yeah. Until we had a January <laughs> show, Super Bowl Saturday 4, and I want to say Carney, New Jersey, which was another, we'll get into that another time. But Dave was waiting outside. Mm. I need to speak to you face to face, to Billy. And I was like, wouldn't say shit to me. I need to speak to Billy. I don't know what they discussed. It breaks my heart because when Billy passed away, we had a memorial service. Mm. We had a tribute show. Me too. I was there for it. Dave, yeah. Dave wasn't part of either one. I would have liked him to have been there. But sour grapes, of course, ended up fucking things up. So, again, I'm not saying this to okay. bury Dave, but I mean, if we're going to fucking keep it funky and talk about what really happened, why Dave was no longer involved, Dave shot himself in the foot. He became his own worst enemy. No, no, so definitely. It, it's, it's been 15 years or whatever the case has passed. I've got no problem with him. I never had a problem with him. I was the one elected to drive to his house in New Jersey to pick up all the equipment. Oh. And that was one of the most awkward conversations I've ever had in my life. I don't even know. The I go story. to his house. He, like, yeah, he had eight by tens. He had some of the titles. He had, you know, a bunch of cyberspace merchandise. Mm -hmm. So Billy called me up and he said, I need you to go to, you know, Dave's house and pick up the stuff. I'm like, Ugh. okay. So I go to the house, you know, I rang the bell. He had everything ready by the garage and he's helping me load up my car. And he goes, hey, so how's it going, man? I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay. How are you? I mean, what am I supposed to say to this guy? You know, I, I can tell he's beside himself. He's upset. And, you know, he doesn't have his job no more at cyberspace. And here I'm coming to take all the stuff. And meanwhile, the first night that I, you know, I was with cyberspace and security, 
he was the one who gave me the first opportunity. So here I, you know, I feel guilty. I feel bad, but I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I'm just doing my job coming to get the equipment. We shook hands. I, you know, I wished him well. And then that was it. But man, it was very awkward. What real men do is you put yourself in somebody else's shoes to see what they felt like, to, to see it through their mm -hmm. eyes. So I can understand, Dave, and I do not begrudge him at all, but that was never the intention. And this is where we end our conversation about Dave Levy, because, again, I didn't want people to think that I was beating up on him verbally, that I was rehashing old heat. I'm just saying if we're talking about things and how we got to a certain right. place, you got to tell the whole story. You got to be honest about it. And you also have to assume your responsibility for your part in what you did. I assume mine, listen, we haven't even started to even hit the surface of how many fuck-ups I made. And believe me, I made fuck-ups. But in oh, terms of- You're not the only one. Listen, well, listen, in terms of Dave, there'll <laughs> be times throughout these podcasts when we're discussing cyberspace where I'm going to give credit where it's due. And a lot of those things wouldn't have happened without Dave or, or Dave's influence or Dave's input. So I just wanted to put that story out there so that way we clear the air. It is what it is. Like I said, Dave put the three final nails in his coffin with that show that he ran and kind of blew us off and made it seem like he was doing his own cyberspace. The time that he was just putting yeah. himself over with, with his, his final match and Paul Ellering and then saying that he was that scathing just conversation that he was going to expose us all to the DOI for what reason, who knows. But other than that, man, I hope that he's doing well. I hope right, whatever right. he's doing. Hey, man, shout out to you. Um, what I do want to focus on now with you, Todd, because I know you've got yeah. a lot of input on this, is the talent that we, the, that we had the privilege of working with. I'm not going to talk about the big names. I'm going to talk about the TNA guys. That's going to get its own show. I want to talk about the local people right. who really gave, for the most part, their heart and soul to the company that we were trying to build. Um, there were some good times. There were some bad times. There was a shitload of complicated times. But I, there's some people that I want to shout out. Yeah. There's some people that I want to talk about and give some in-depth uh, stories, things that people may not have heard or rumors and innuendos that they may have heard about, but I'm here to clear the air on that. Um, but th there is a trio that you and I are both very fond of. Um, John Shane, The Solution, Papa Don and Havoc. I mean, Papa Don and Havoc. you know, you say you say that you make a handful of friends in the wrestling business. And if anything, they're at the top of the list, man. Those are those are three guys that I care about, yep. not just in wrestling, but on a personal level. I care about them. I care about their family. I care, you know, things of that nature. Those are three really good guys that I'm glad I had the privilege of working with. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you're you're on the on the number one, you know, finger on the thumb. That guy's John Shane. There's Papa Don, and recently I got in touch with Havoc on Facebook, and yeah. you know we're keeping in touch now. It's really awesome. Mm -hmm. So I mean, great, great group of guys, and like I told you, if you can count your friends in the business that are friends, not just associates, but friends, on one hand, you consider yourself lucky. You know, John Shane has such a mind for the business. I don't understand. I mean, granted, during that era, oh yeah, there weren't managers in wrestling anymore. But if there was one thing that I wanted from John Shane, with the, the day that I saw him, I was like, that will be my Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I'm going to build him. And you, you just know, took the words out of my mouth. I was just oh, about Bob to say the same thing. Bobby Heenan had the Heenan family, and we made the John Shane gang. Yep. And if I, I couldn't be more proud exactly. of, of the way John Shane handled that. The, the pride that he took in managing those guys and how hard those guys worked under the tutelage of John Shane. And the, and the women. I mean, he had he had the solution, Papa Don and Havoc. He had Mike Tobin. He had Cindy, uh, Cindy Rogers. You know, she, she was a hell of a hand. 
I mean, he and had this, a good little family that was building. Let's not forget and he had I Rhino him, at the end. But getting back to John Shane, when I met him, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the modern day manager was no more mm. in the 2000s. Like we grew up on all the managers in the 70s and the 80s, Grand Wizard, Captain Lou Albano, Freddie Blassie, and so on. And when I met John Shane, I said, this dude is a modern day Bobby Heenan and somebody like him can bring back the manager in the Indies. Cause you got a lot of guys that they don't have a mouth, you know, for the business. They're not good on promos. They need someone to assist them in the match and not just for talking purposes, but for outcomes, you know, classic grabbing the ankle by the ropes, trying to distract the referee. Managers are very important in this business and it's a lost art form. So when I met John Shane, I said, we're on to something here. This is going to be awesome. And that's one thing that John always did. John always said, what, what can I do to make this better? John always thought about never selfish, always thinking about what can I do to. No, not at all. He always wanted to help people out. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's yeah. what, what I loved about him. And, and towards um, the, the last year of cyberspace, we started using John as an agent in the back um, because I, I had to, like I said, one of my I biggest remember. flaws was that I was wearing too many hats and I wasn't really delegating roles. It was very hard to know who you can trust, but also who had the skill set to take that job and create the vision that Billy and I were putting together. Um, John was definitely yeah. a part there. Um, I'm not sure if he ever had any resistance. Yeah, John definitely fit that role perfectly. Well, you know what the problem is, is that on the indie scene, when you have your fellow colleague coming up to you and telling you what to do, or hey, what do you got planned for your match? They're like, who the fuck is this guy? Why? Mind your business. Go worry about your match. And right, I'm just right. like, hey, and I had to let people know, hey, John, we used to put it on the script on the wall. Here's the match. Here's the agent. You have questions? Go talk to that person. Beginning of the show, even right. prior to the beginning of the show, on the phone, I'd be on the phone with John Shane, fleshing out storylines, getting his input on certain things, putting it on paper and saying, okay, John, I'm going to have you in control of this match. We don't need to discuss it any further unless something arises, unless there's a problem day of the show, then come find me. Other than that, you got this. And he right. he really you took had, you that had role. trust in him and that was it. Believe it or not, John Shane was the guy who, who gave me the idea. I mean, not even gave me the idea. The guy who brought the idea to the table to make Bobby Roode a dual champion. So when we had to strip um, Abyss of the title, we were like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Bobby Roode had just won the internet championship from right. Josh Daniels. Right, I remember. And, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm thinking, ah, do I put it on Rhino? But I couldn't put it on Rhino because even though we had Rhino first, our competition, JPW, had yeah, made Rhino the champion. Back and forth, so he's not a solid guy. Right, right so I, right. Can't, I can't have Rhino our champion when he's their champion as well. So it kind of puts the kibosh on what I want to do. So I'm thinking and thinking. He goes, hey, exactly. no, nobody will see this coming. Have Bobby Roode come out of nowhere and win the championship. He'll have both belts. Fucking brilliant. I mean, talk about getting a rub. That'll boost him big time. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. John, John Shane contributed so much. Yeah. I remember when, when we were working on that show um, where Abyss and Rhino were having their Monsters Ball match, which is a story for another time because that, that show could have been so fucked up. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm thinking oh, yeah. – I'm thinking of a way to finish the match. Like, what, what's the finish going to be of the match? And I knew, I knew that I had to incorporate Billy Gunn somehow, and I'm sitting there, and I always got, like, a movie or something in the background. I was watching the Warriors, and um, I was like, hey, John, how do you think people would react if, if, um, if you came out with a Molotov cocktail? <laughs> uh, John's like, remember, yes, I remember discussing this. Yes, John, yes. John's like, you want me to fucking light a Molotov cocktail in a church? And I was like, 
you're not gonna you're fucking throw me. Down. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, I'm talking to John. I'm trying to. We're going over different scenarios. I'm like, nah, that doesn't work. Nah, this doesn't work. And the warrior scene comes on where, where they're with the orphans. He's like, oh, you fuck with the orphans? Yeah. <laughs> they throw the Molotov. Molotov cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Blow up the car, dude. We want to make it so realistic that I went to a gas station and bought maybe twenty five cents worth of gas, put it in in a in a water bottle, and I put it under the ring. I said, John. The Molotov cocktail has iced tea in it, but when you pull the cocktail out from under the ring, spill the little the, the water bottle so that way people smell the gas and they think that it's the what do you right. call it? The little details, right, man. Actually, right, details. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, man, John Shane, it, right, right. It was such a credit to everything that we did. And and um we can't forget about Papa Don and, and Havoc, man. I mean, I had so much oh, trust man. and belief in those guys that what a tag team. When we were about to reboot cyberspace after Billy passed, those were my two guys to become the new internet champion and new heavyweight champion. Papa Don was going to win the, the yeah. uh, internet. I was going to say the IC, the internet title, and Havoc was going to win the heavyweight championship because I had and that Havoc kind of confidence. The heavyweight. They yeah. didn't want to be a team anymore. They had done so much. I was like, all right, well, we'll create a brand new Shane gang, and you guys going to be the two guys that feud with them. Those two always brought their A game as a tag team. And the promos they cut. They I mean, the shows they put on against America's Most Wanted were, was insane. So the funny thing with that, man, is that before I had even got there, Billy had already booked the solution to defeat America's Most Wanted for the CSWF tag team titles. The problem okay. is nobody was there to see it. Right, so right, when, right. when we had the opportunity to do it again, AMW – Chris Harrison and, and uh, Cowboy James Storm was our tag team champions again. And I was like, all right, let's do it again in front of a bigger crowd because nobody will see it coming. Granted, we had Triple X, Elix Skipper, and, and Christopher Daniels do a little run-in and cause them to lose the belts. But for the solution to right, beat right. Two, two TV guys from, from TNA two times for the titles, man, we, you got to have all the confidence in the world for those guys. I mean, they, they, they were always reliable. They were a great hand. Great tag team, and they were actually good. In the, I mean, individual wrestlers. I mean, Papa Don's still wrestling now, like we discussed the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Havoc since retired, but when they were with Cyberspace, man, they were off the hook. They were great, solid, and always reliable. Yeah, it, it's it's insane because if there's the the greatest journeyman on the independence right now, hands down, is Greek God Papa Don. That guy has been everywhere, won championships everywhere. And how this guy oh, yeah. has not gotten a fucking minute of TV time in WWE, in TNA, in AEW. Yeah, it's the biggest mystery, man. Beyond me. I mean, if you've seen how the guy yeah. works, if you've seen the dedication he puts into his character in, in the marketing. The funny thing is, like, I follow, we're friends on Facebook, but I'm not friends with Jimmy. I'm friends with Greek God Papa Don. And this guy is using social media to get himself over, to get himself more bookings, to promote the events that he's going to be on. This guy is a resource to tap into. He's got his own podcast out there. He's doing a number of things. How nobody has acknowledged that and given him the time of day to just, just yeah. even if it's for one year, even if it's six fucking months, say, man, for everything that you've Give done. Yeah. yeah, give a spot. This guy, look, look at Adam Pierce right now in the WWE. Adam Pierce was a phenomenal NWA champion. Yeah. Papa Don, former NWA champion. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Papa Don is just as good. Papa Don has been around the loop plenty of times. This guy deserves at least one shot to be on TV. So, millions well, you know of what people- it is, man? It's all about timing. That's the problem. 
I think you know, it's all I, timing. I thought the I same mean, thing Papa about Don's Havoc. Papa Don's a great promoter for himself. Mm-hmm. I thought the same yeah. thing about Havoc. He, he was the big brute, but Havoc was still that heavyweight force. And I had a lot of plans with him. He reminded me of a young Brock Lesnar. He reminded me of, of a young Rhino. There were so many things that I had plans for him. And it's a shame that his career didn't go further after the whole thing with NWA cyberspace. I'm not sure when he retired. I'm not sure yeah. why he retired, but that guy had something special as well. He was great for a big man. He moved really well. And I could tell you offhand, I took a couple of his punches, man. And trust me, they hurt like a motherfucker. We had to make a very difficult decision. Um, when CM Punk came into the promotion and CM Punk was, was supposed to be there oh boy. for multiple shows, but for some odd reason, Billy wanted to book CM Punk the way he was booked in TNA. I can't remember the name of the team, but he had a team with Julio De Niro in TNA. So through Tracy Brooks, I got in contact with Punk. I call Punk. I'm like, hey, man, we'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to book you for multiple events. He was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm all in for that. He goes, so who am I working? And I was like, um, you're going to be working a tag match with Julio De Niro and the solution. And all I heard was, ugh. Like, the dude just deflated on the phone. Like, it's not even worth the time or the money. Now, granted. Yeah, hard to believe. Yeah, that, that, that's an asshole move when you somebody's talking about hiring you and putting money in your pocket and asking you to perform on a show. But in Punk's head, he was already at a certain level that fans wanted to see him. Because I didn't follow the indies, I didn't realize that. So at the time, the deflation, I was like, who the fuck does this guy think yeah. he is? What an asshole. Day of the show, we get there. Yeah, he didn't want to do the tag team. He just wanted to be a singles. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to be a singles guy. But and, and I'm concerned. I'm like, all right, that's one of our big matches. CM Punk is on the card. I've never met him before. I like to meet. I like to right. build a rapport with the talent beforehand and go over things. And I'm searching for him for about an hour and a half. And there's a dude there with a hoodie on, right. the music okay. just curled up in the corner. And I'm like, yo, has anybody seen Punk? Anybody? Yep, I, seen I was Punk? there for that. I remember. Yeah. And somebody was like, yo, he's right. Yeah. He's been there the whole time. He's right there. I was like, well, why the fuck didn't anybody tell me? The whole me? time he had his head, he had his earbuds in. He had the little bitch buds in his ears. Mm-hmm. And he had on the hoodie. And he wanted, he wanted to know nothing. I actually went over to him, not to cut you off, but you gave me some of the um, the shit you wrote down. You know, storyline, what's going to be yeah. going on in the, sh- you know, in the match. And I went to go show it to him. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got it. I know what I have to do. And I just looked at him. I was like, bro, you got to look at this paper. This is what you're doing. This is your match. This is what the fuck the deal is. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I got it again. He tells me that's when I went back to you. And then you obviously you handled it from there. But I just couldn't believe like how fickle he was. And he wanted to not fucking be bothered with anything. I mean, look, forget it. I, I don't have to tell CM Punk what pro wrestling locker room etiquette is. This is the first time we're working together. Come meet the promoter. Come meet the guys who can give you the envelope at the end of the night. Introduce yourself to the promoter. Hey, man, what do you need me to do tonight? You know, what? how am I earning my check right, tonight? Right. How am I earning my, my envelope? Nothing. Dude's curled up in fucking fetal position in the corner. And I'm like, already leaving a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, oh, man, this, this is not going to work out. Yeah, it's no exaggeration. That's exactly what he was doing. He just sat there like in the corner mm-hmm. and just listening to his headset. Yeah, yeah he was it, so it, antisocial. It was unbelievable. The crazy thing was we had them on for the last match of the night. I figured he's an attraction. People want to see Punk. I didn't want people just, you know, leaving the arena <laughs> once once Punk's match right, right. came on if I did it earlier. So they have to stay. Exactly. Right, so they've got to stay. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, make sure you keep your ass in your seat because CM Punk's going to be closing out the show. Um, right. 
again, I, I didn't realize how popular punk was. I, I wasn't studying the independents. I'm studying TNA and I'm studying yeah, WWE. The indies. Right. Because in my head, I'm not right. running this as an independent show. I'm running this as a future right. TV promotion. You know, we want to do things on going on the Internet. Right. We're trying to find a place maybe on cable that, that we can. I mean, there's so many outlets right now in 2021 between like Fight TV and Roku and a million other places where, where you can put oh, your shit out apps there. Now to watch. Yeah. I'm trying to find them in 2004, right, right. 2005, 2006. YouTube was like our only option. Right. So I'm focusing on what can we do to become, let's say, like ECW level, how they were on the MSG network in the 90s. That's good enough for me for right now. And then we'll grow from there. The match happens. The main event comes on. And the, the, and the fans are losing mm-hmm. their shit. And Billy grabs me. He goes, we got to keep yeah. him. I'm like, yeah, well, I got him for at least two more shows. He goes, there's only one way to make sure he comes back. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, we got to put the straps on him. I said, Billy, they're in the fucking ring right now. Exactly. How, do you, how do you change the outcome of the match while the match is actually happening? Dude, hold up, hold up a sign. Hey, guys, you got to go over. You're the champ. <laughs> read, read the cards. Dude, <laughs> read, read, and I'm read the like, cheat sheets. Dude, I have no idea how I ended yeah. up getting to John Shane. And I was like, hey, John, drop the titles to them. And John's face turned white. Now, John, as a manager, has to go That's right. explain. It was on the flash. I remember this. Yes. Has to explain to the two guys in the ring currently competing. And they've got to say that to their opponents who they've already got a finish worked out and then they got to change the finish do a reversal and drop the straps and right as much as as i regret having to do business that way the end result for that night not any other night for that night was a huge pop it was a success but again man that's not how you do business unfortunately punk made some kind of excuse on why he couldn't come back now Apparently at that time is when he was being scouted right. by, um, by I think it was OVW at the time. Uh, so he goes, hey, listen, I, I really can't make the shot. I'm really sorry. And he says, I, I know I'm your champ, but there's really nothing I can do about that. Sorry, I got to bail on, on, on these other shots. I got a feeling deep down inside. Right, punk, right before you signed with them. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know if that was legit or I don't know if, like you said, his experience with us left a bad taste in his mouth. I'll, After be, explain, the I'll be honest with you. I think he was very unhappy. I mean, and you felt it after the show when we tried cutting that promo so we can set up the next match. We were trying to shoot that vignette backstage with their tag team champions and some shit goes down. Can't remember what it was. I hand him over the script. Right. He goes, you think you were working for Vince in this place? And I'm like, um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I was standing right next to you when you said that shit. I was like, whoa, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. what am I supposed to say? I mean, normally I'd be like, well, dude, if you don't want to work, then don't fucking work. But I'm like, not that. He was CM Punk. I can't say that. But I'm like, fuck. I just put the strap on him. I don't want to have to strip the titles. And I need that that energy and that reaction from the fans by bringing him back. So just swallow this one. We'll deal with him later. But unfortunately, he got the best of me and no show. Exactly. Now, not that I want to talk about CM yeah. Punk right now. But what I wanted, what the reason why I was telling that story was just really to express the real professionalism that John Shane, Havoc, and Papa Don had in an impromptu during a match, dropping the titles and doing what was best for business that night. I mean, I can't thank them enough right. because I, I know it hurt. I know they had just uh, beaten America's Most Wanted. 
and and yeah, it was, yeah. It was an unfortunate situation, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. So had I known that Punk was going to stiff us, I would have left them with the belt. You wouldn't have done it. No, not right, at all. Exactly. The problem with NWA Cyberspace is that Billy had the same cast of characters, and he all he did was keep reshuffling the deck. At some point, everybody wrestled right. everybody. So that night when I saw that energy, I was like, we got to bring that back. You know, you want to do what's best for the company. You want to keep the fans happy, and you want them to go home happy so they come back for more. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a no-brainer had Punk would have come back. If one thing, one golden moment came out of that, it was the fact that on that next show, there was supposed to be a rematch. Punk and De Niro were supposed to have the rematch with the solution and drop the titles right back. Right. And then I can do other things with Punk. Problem is, Punk bailed, so Julio had no partner. And night of the yeah, show, it all up. the solution mm-hmm. got caught in traffic because he took a double shot that night. Like I said, they were in high right. demand. I remember that, yeah, that's right. They were yeah, in yeah. high demand. So if there was one thing, yeah. even though it cost the solution the opportunity to remain or to ever regain the cyberspace tag team titles, the magic that happened that night that nobody saw coming was that we were able to crown All Money is Legal, our new tag team champions. Now, they had worked. And I was just about to bring them up. You took the words out of my Bro, mouth. They worked AMIO, earlier baby. in the night, and and I, right. I didn't see their match. I caught a glimpse. I can't remember who they wrestled, but I saw them walk to the ring and they had this thing, K Murda and K Pusha. They'd go into the ring and the way the referee would pat you down, make sure you didn't have any weapons. They would put their hands behind right. their back and get behind and get it on their knees like they're being frisked by the police. I saw like that. I lost right, 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 yeah. my shit. I was like, that's yeah. brilliant. Absolute fucking that was innovative. Very innovative, man. Yeah. Now, again, I'm working in the back. And all I'm hearing is crash, boom, ooh, ah, crash, boom, ooh, ah. They had that crowd in the palm of their fucking hands. And it was a meaningless throwaway match. It might have been like the opening match of the fucking card. And I heard that. I was like, wow, I got to do more yeah, stuff. They were good. They had a lot of charisma. Dude, the yeah, fact that, that Papa Don and Havoc got stuck in traffic and got to the arena late. So late that they literally missed their match. They, they might have got there five minutes before their match was supposed to go on. I was like, dude, I sorry. We had to make a change on the card. because I didn't know if you were going to make it or not. Right. And the fact that all money is legal stayed there to watch the rest of the show. Sometimes people just take their pay and they get the fuck out when their match is over. They stayed there. The fact that I had them on deck, it's yeah. like a gift from God saying, hey, man, there's at the right place at the right there. time, man. Right. Yeah. Lightning struck at that moment. Yeah. And, and it was like, dude, remember what happened earlier tonight? Remember how they, they had that crowd in the palm of your hands? Remember how you identified what their entrance and how those fucking guys had something unique that nobody else does? I was like, yo, put the belts on them. And dude, right. you know, I still follow our Mar- Mar- Marcelo. I, I always say his name wrong, but right now he's working at, as Buffer in the boombox. He's out in China. He's got the whole LL Cool J gimmick with the Kango hat, the gazelles, the thick rope chains, and the big ass boombox. I dude, he has put on some serious <laughs> beef, some right, serious right. beef. But dude, he's traveling the world. He's doing just tremendous success. And we and he's always saying, "Man, I thank you guys for giving me That's the opportunity awesome. to belt." And dude, I've said it on message boards. I've said it to him personally. Dude, thank yeah, you. I read it on the message boards that he said that. Yes. Of course, yes. man. Thank he wrote, he wrote you for making on, those uh, titles worth fighting for, man. Because yeah. those those yeah, tag man. team matches could have been just throwaway matches. Ah, four guys in the ring, whatever. 
that was that was a highlight of the show. It was a show stealer. It was it was the one that you had to see. It was the one like keep your ass in the seat and piss later. Dude, thank you for making those titles worth fighting for you and your brother. I appreciate everything you've done, and I'm so happy of the success that you're getting right now. You're another yeah, guy. Man, they were they were awesome. Dude, if I had a wrestling promotion today, I'd book him immediately. And I don't know how WWE, AEW, how they like these colorful characters. It don't get more colorful than Buffer right now. Buffer is killing it, and I hope he gets yeah. his opportunity out there. He's killing it in China. They love him out there. So with, with that said, to all aspiring wrestlers out there, never leave a show early because you never know <laughs> when you're going to be needed, and you never know if you're going to be made that night. The way they carried themselves in the ring the way they carried themselves in the locker room. I thought they had been wrestling for years. I didn't know because I was blind to the independence. I had no idea that they were just starting out. And, and, right. and Buff was always telling now, me. They were very professional for, for new guys. Yeah, yeah, he's always saying, you gave me and my brother one of our one of our first breaks. And I was like, I could have sworn you guys were like superstars in the indies already because you carried yourself with such confidence. You put so much effort into your work, into your characters. Like I said, right. if you look at, if you look at Buffett's character right now, what he's done to create this vibe, a throwback to 80s hip hop, coming to the ring with the boombox, interacts with the kids, interacts with the fans, has the look to match the character. I mean, dude, he put so much investment into himself and they were doing it 15 years oh, ago. Yeah. It was all money is legal, man. Tremendous. I love those guys. And if I ever, fingers crossed, maybe, maybe, not, I don't know. If I ever run a wrestling promotion today, never you're one of the first never. guys that I call. Absolutely, man. Love no, no, I'm guys. with you on that. I, I liked all these legal very much. I mean, there were a lot of good tag teams, but I mean, they stuck out. And I think they were the other tag team. I think they were called the the the, uh, the twins, the Hall Brothers. Yes, I forgot the that. Hall I forgot Brothers. They remind me of a, like like younger version of the Rockers. Absolutely, I think that's what they were going for. They were going for the Sean and Janetti look because they had like the blown out hair, like the long right. hair. They had like that glam look. Uh-huh. You know, bunch of pretty boys. Wearing like the tassels and the fringes, you know, it was yeah. definitely like, um, you know, take off the rockers. Th- but, those uh, those I were, enjoyed them. Th- those were two guys that I wish I w- that I would have done more with has cyberspace continued. I didn't see their work, but the work that I saw, they still had some rough edges. They were just starting out. They might have been nervous because I'm not saying we were a big show, but we had some big names in the locker room and maybe they were trying to make an impression. I also didn't have much direction for them. Um, I didn't know how to use them because yeah. when we here's the thing about NWA Shockwave, the TV show, not not the promotion, the Shockwave TV was designed to be like Saturday morning wrestling where you would introduce new names. They'd work enhancement talent. They'd win those matches. And then on our main cards, they would get an opportunity to face somebody at a higher level. So um, Dave Levy, right, again, right. this is where I give credit to Dave Levy. Dave Levy went out and found guys like the Hall brothers. He went out and, and, and found a, a list of other names. Um, and I was very impressed with them. And I was like, man, I'm just, they're, they're still a little young. They're still a little green, but I think if we use them more often and I can see them in matches with, with, with other tag teams and see how they flow, I can figure something out. Obviously I'm going to use them as rocker clones. That's the thing. Um, right, they, right. They, that's they, exactly what they reminded me of. That's all they were, yeah. man. They were rocker clones, but there's nothing wrong with that, man. But they just weren't ready at that moment. I don't know if they're still working now, but those are two guys that I would have used. Those are two guys that we would have helped develop. Um, I wish I would have spent more time with them. Two things that I fucked up as, as a booker, as a, as a manager, um, a manager of, of the promotion, and not as a, as a manager of talent. Um, I fucked up because there were times where I left it to Billy 
to go tell our champions when they were dropping the title. Kind of sucks. If I'm the guy that wrote it, I should have broke that news. But because I had to have Billy involved somehow, I would let Billy say, say, hey, Billy, just let them know tonight they're going to be doing the honors, passing the torch over to the next guy. Um, They can read the script on the wall. If they have any questions, they'll come talk to me, and I'll tell them what we have planned for them afterwards. But I never had the sit down saying, hey, man, come over here. It's almost like – and I I don't know if this is how they would do it in the big leagues – if this is how they do it in WWE, if this is how it was done in the NWA, but I would want to bring the talent over and say, Hey man, I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for being a champion. I want you I want to thank you for, for carrying that, that, that belt with honor and representing our company as a champion. We're going to go in a little bit of a different direction now, but it doesn't mean that I've forgotten about you or that we're writing you off. It's just, we're going to do something different. Now we're going to, we're going to try um, a, a new champion tonight. I don't think Billy had those conversations with the talent. You, you don't I, think, I don't think Billy had those conversations either. You know, it was like a respect thing. Yeah. And, I, it it kind of hits you know, me in the heart. Because he, never, he never had those conversations. Bill, Billy was walking around being Firehawk and being loud and being this. But I was like, dude, I need you to have this one-on-one. Bring them over. Let them know that just because we're taking the belt off doesn't mean that's the end of the road. I mean, look at the track record we've had with prior champions. I mean, we just continue growing and moving on. And because you already had that accolade of, former internet champion, former tag team champion, former whatever, um, that, that that carries weight. So even if you put somebody over later, right, they're right. like, oh man, I beat a former champion or I beat somebody who had that title. Now I can move up. We're a team. Help your teammates grow. You've had your opportunity exactly. to help your teammates grow. Um, but again, on the independent circuit, some of these kids didn't have that experience. They weren't developed and, and they- Right. But they you shouldn't leave them hanging either. Right. And that's the thing. Like, like in the old days, you would feel for your spot. Oh, shit, you're taking the belt off me. That means you got nothing for me. Creative has nothing for me. That's not it, man. We're just trying something else. You can't be a champion forever. And that's a conversation we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about Slick Wagner Brown. Um, Because that was that was more of a business decision than it was. uh, Hey, Slick, we're going in a different direction. But we'll talk about that in a few. Um, The second thing that I want to bring up is I, I just made a statement. I wish I gave the Hall brothers more time. And the truth of the matter is right. there is a long list of people, especially our homegrown talent, not TNA. Fuck the TNA guys. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying you've already made it. There's a bunch of people who should have had more time from me. And yeah, deserve the chance. Right, right. Right. And, and, and I don't mean like giving them the opportunity of putting them over or making them champion. I'm saying, hey, let me take five minutes and sit down with you. And explain where I see you going. Let's talk about your development. Right. Let's talk about what you want to bring. Tell me your ideas. Tell me the things that you want to do. Tell me, tell me, like enlighten me. You know who did that one time? The smoke. One time, and and oh. s- listen, yeah. smoke, smoke knew, smoke knew where he was on the card. He knew things were changing. He knew that his particular style wouldn't keep up with the TNA brand because you know it, it just is what it is, man. It's just, right. it's just but he went with the flow. You know, in his defense, he went with the flow. He did, but the thing is, he was yeah. such a fucking trooper and such a champion about it, and just saying, "Well, if you don't see me as 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 a as a wrestler, as as the main eventer, as the former first CSWF heavyweight champion, where do you see me? Am I out of here? Because I know you've booted a couple of other people, but what do you got for me? Right. Where do he, I stand? Right, yeah. and and the, the he the fact that he came to me, I was like, "Hey, Smoke, even though you were a clone of the Rock, you still bring a lot to the table." Maybe not necessarily in the exactly. ring, 
but outside the ring as a manager. And when I paired him up with Rodney Mack, that may be some of the best work that the smoke has ever done. And let me just tell you this. Oh, that was awesome. Him, Rodney Mack and jazz. Yeah. Dude, yeah. It was fantastic. And smoke, you know, I, I don't know what, again, smoke, smoke and I were always cool because we had done shows prior together, but smoke grabbed me one day and he seemed like a little kid asking for permission. He goes, um, is it okay? Would you mind? I was like, smoke, spit the fuck out. I got things to do. <laughs> what is it? He goes, I came up with a name <laughs> for our group. Is it okay if we call ourselves Black Rain? And dude, I froze for a moment because I was like, right. it's fucking brilliant, man. Like, I didn't even think yeah. of a great name. Black Rain. And it wasn't like yeah, Black that was a cool Rain. Name. It's like the Rain <clears throat> of fucking Terror. We're Rain Supreme. Black Rain. I was like, holy shit. Dude, I fucking hugged Smoke. Because I was like, Gee, thank with the right you. name, man, you become legit overnight. Yeah, man. Thank you for yeah. bringing that here, and thank you for for contributing, for for having this idea to think about the team, and just something small as a name meant a lot to me. And the fact that you took that time, so dude, shout out to the smoke for that, man. And I wish I had more time, definitely, to sit down with everybody on the roster, because, like I said, we weren't running an independent promotion; we were running a future TV promotion. And in order for that to be successful, we had to have that talent develop. Right. We had to have characters develop. But there's two guys who you'll never guess that should have had more of my time than anybody else on the card. Well, I can think of one, but I'm not going to say it because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So, well, if, if you're wrong, ahead. we'll talk about that person too. But there's two people who should have had all of my time all day, every day. And I gave them limited time because I was so busy, but I didn't realize how important they were to what I was building. Well, one for me personally, I was a big fan of Chris Hamrick. Interesting choice, but no. I never really watched him in ECW, but mm. watching his matches in cyberspace, I mean, he was, you know, like a high flyer. He did a lot of holy shit, you know, fly, you know, flies in the air moves. And he just had a great, you know, grasp with the crowd. Chris Hamrick was a great hand in the ring. And he put on a tremendous performance. Um, creatively, though, I wasn't sure how to use him. Like I said, I was trying to run a TV promotion. So right. in doing that, you need enhancement talent. Now, if I start bringing in unknowns that I've never seen before, and we have plenty of those matches, re real estate on an independent card is so valuable. So if I can't really use you in a story, exactly. or I can't build a story around a nightclub singer or try to figure out how to build heat or if, if there's just a certain level that I couldn't get you past, I really can't take the time and invest in telling more for that, that character. Right. But, but you are a good hand. And as much as it sucks, I mean, I could use you as an enhancement talent. I could give you a payday, be on the show, use your skills, but your skills are going to be used to put somebody else over. A lot of guys see that as an insult or a slap to the face, especially on the indies. Like, oh, what the exactly. fuck? I got a lot to give. Yeah. But there were certain guys where I was like, I really don't have anything for you. These are guys that were either dropped on my lap. They're like, here, do something with him. Like, here's one thing. It was, right, right. It was very rare that I was able to say, hey, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. Billy would send me a list every month. He goes, here, I have travel for these people. And these are people I want booked on the next show. Make a show around this. That's fucking hard. And then Dave Levy would come. To, <laughs> then Dave Levy would come like, "Hey man, I have some guys that want to do tryouts. On the big shows, you can only do one, maybe two dark matches. 
before right, the crowd right. starts getting restless. I don't want them to be dead by the look at WrestleMania. You don't want them dead for the main event. And the thing is, like I said, credits to Dave Levy. Dave Levy would bring me new talent all the time. And he'd bring right. me tapes and I'd watch them like, eh, I don't know, but I, I want to give the kid a chance. All right, let's give him one match. Shockwave was the best place to do that because it was like our Saturday morning right. wrestling. It was like challenge. It was like superstars. You're still getting a shot on the car. You're still walking out, out w- w- with an envelope. Yeah, maybe you might be a superstar somewhere else. It's just not here, not now. But I'm not saying not not ever. Exactly. But you're getting an opportunity, you know, yeah. to, to get some experience. Right. And right. that's the most important thing, man. Wrestling, being in a band, mm-hmm. you know, being a stand-up comic. You know, they go to open mic nights to get, you know, to, to try the new jokes and do shit like that. And that's what, you know, people in bands do. They play in a freaking room with 10 people. Mm-hmm. It's not the people you're performing in front of. It's the experience that you're getting. So you can get to that next level and then come back to cyberspace in the future back then, maybe as a mid-card talent or maybe even higher, depending on how long it takes you to get there. But you have to start somewhere. There's some guys who are on the card who just saw it as a payday and sort of as, as a public workout in the ring. Let me get my shit in. I don't care that right. you guys are trying to tell a story. I'm like, if we're trying to build a TV company or an internet company, you have to be invested in a story. You have to be invested in my vision. That's the only way you get to play a bigger role in that vision is you have to follow the story. Yeah, how do you expect to go going. further if you don't even respect it? Yeah, right. respect the That's process. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's, it's like I, mm-hmm. I watched a documentary recently, Hearts of Darkness, uh, the Francis Ford Coppola documentary when he was making Apocalypse Now. And Marlon Brando okay. had this major role as Colonel Kurtz, and it was based on the book Hearts of Darkness. And, they, yeah, they were tweaking up the script. Not only did he never read the book, okay. he didn't read the script. He was like, fuck this. I'm Marlon Brando. I go and I ad-lib. I, I, I'll just do it film. Film. It was like... We got a script, man. We're trying to tell a story. Do you Whoa. even know what your character means? What the fuck is wrong with you? Exactly. That's what was happening in cyberspace. Was people were coming in for the payday. They were coming yeah. in to, to work in the rain. They were coming in to fuck the rats. They were coming in to do all sorts of things. But tell my story. Go into business for themselves. Put themselves over. Not give a shit about the storyline in the process. Yeah. They just want the money. They want mm-hmm. the purse. They want to put themselves over. And that's all I give a shit about. See you later. I got my money. Goodbye. And, and that's and not I the way think, you do business, bro. It's not the way you do business. No. But no. As, as somebody running the show, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I got you here. You only want to just get in the ring. Now you're going to lay down for the guy that you're in the ring with because he's going to tell my story. We're going to put him right. over. We're going to make him look bigger. And you're going to do the fucking job helping us do that. A lot of guys didn't want to do that. The pen is mightier than the sword. The power <laughs> of the pen. I got that fucking eraser, pal, so I can change everything right now. You're right. <laughs> And but it's true. It really is. I mean, they want to fucking do that, then they're going to shit on themselves. We had one guy that went over very well, especially with the Loud Idiots, and that was Mo Sexton. Ah, Mo. I saw him as one of those enhancement talents. He came in. I was like, all right, what's your gimmick? He goes, ah, Mo Sexton. I was like, okay, you're Mo Sexton. What does Mo Sexton do? And he really didn't give me much to work with. I was like, all right, well, you know what? Let me see what you can do in the ring, and maybe yeah. we can figure it out from there. Problem is I never watched the matches another big flaw of mine and well because you're always busy in the back like we talked about the last time and, and i never watched the dvds because i'm too busy working on the next show and i'm assuming that i with the trust factor that the guys read the script yeah. carried out my vision which a lot of times didn't happen um but one thing that i did notice and i always heard while i'm in the back mo 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 and i'm like what the fuck is that They're like yo this kid is over now I didn't do a lot with Mo. I wish I would have done a lot more. 
And just as I was about to turn the tide for Mo, Mo gets called by OVW. And, um, you know, yep. we were doing the thing with Julio. As a matter of fact, I remember the night that uh, All Money is Legal won the tag team titles. Julio De Niro comes out with both straps. He goes, I, I, I need somebody. He had already wrestled a match or two with Mo. Um, and Mo would come out and say, look, I'll be there for you. But Julio was wrestling by himself, taking on All Money is Legal. Mo's like, give me the tag. Give me the tag. And a big fucking yep. thing happens. They drop the belts. All Money is Legal is your new champion. Um, so that obviously that sets up a match because now Julio De Niro is blaming Mo Sexton for losing my tag team champions. I didn't ask for your fucking help. Nobody called you. I was going to do this right. by myself. You came out and you lose my belts. That was a great story. And I wanted to build on that. So I'm thinking on the next show, yeah. Julio and Mo have a feud there. You cost me the title. Now I want your ass in the ring. Mo is going to go over and right, Mo right. says, Hey, listen, I'm uh, signing with OVW. I was like, fuck, I was just about to build you up. Like, this was going to be your launching pad. You're going over on Julio. Julio loses his shit. (laughs) You remember what happened in the locker room, right? Yeah. Why the fuck do I have to put this guy over? He's leaving. I'm staying. Why the fuck do I have to? I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, the fans want to see him win. Give him Mm -hmm. a win on the the way out. Fuck him and fuck his win. I'm staying here. I still got to win. I was like, right. So I looked his at mentality Mo. was that he should do the he should do the favor, do the honor, and, and take the you know take the pin because he's leaving. So right. that was you know the reason why he had that type of heat on him because you know he felt he should win because he's staying. But exactly. the fan the fans wanted Mo so bad that I'm trying as a writer trying to give the fans what they want, and right. I'm giving Mo the win. I'm promising to build him up that this is what's going to start it. But now I'm finding out he's leaving. So the big. Fucking argument erupts in the backstage area. And listen, Julio De Niro had every right to say that. Unfortunately, I'm trying to make the fans happy. But Julio has a point. If he's leaving, fuck the fans. You can't make them happy tonight. What's the point of making them happy tonight if moving right, forward, right. We, we don't have any more Mo? Luckily. We're still going to have Julio, but we're not going to have Mo Sexton anymore. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing is that Julio beating Mo Sexton does, doesn't get that reaction from the crowd. It gets them groaning and booing. Oh, again, Mo loses. So yeah, luckily, exactly. we were we were building towards Cyber K2. And I was like, Mo, when do you have to report to OVW? He goes, oh, it's on such and such a date. I was like, that's right. after Cyber K. Can you make one more shot for us? And we did the Loser Leaves Town there. So Julio right. agreed to lose to Mo that night. Then we would do a Loser Leaves Cyberspace as cyber K2 and it worked out perfectly because then the fans got to see Mo win on this show. And on the next show, they got to give him his farewell. Like you're leaving cyberspace. You're forced out, but we know you're going to Mo VW. Right. <laughs> it was awesome. And you know, that's the thing. It's no disrespect to Mo Sexton. Cause I liked him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was an okay hand, but I never understood why, you know, the loud idiots that we used to call them in the crowd, why mm-hmm. they loved Mo so much. What, I, just, I was going to ask you, can you explain that to me? interacted with them. I never understood the fascination. All I heard was Mo, because Mo, Mo. It was the name. And anytime they paid him any type of respect, he would pay them respect in return. Okay. And when he won his match, they would put him on their shoulders. They'd parade him around the Wayne PAL. And I think they just loved the guy because he made them a part of the show. But the fact that our fans treated him mm-hmm. like that and gave him that response meant that he was value to our company. And had I acknowledged that exactly. or identified that earlier, I could have played off of that and made it bigger than it was. 
I, what I want to do, because I know we keep going off different tracks. I want to give you those two guys who, um, who I should have had more time for. And uh, like I said, you, you never believe it. Two, two guys I, sh- I really should have given as much time as they needed, should have been in their ear every day because they were legitimately my version. You're going to laugh. They were my R2-D2 <laughs> and C-3PO. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. And R2-D2 so and C-3PO, C-3PO were in every episode. But if you remember, they are the first two characters who you ever meet when Star Wars first dropped in 77. And throughout them, you're really seeing everything happen through their eyes. Even when they did the prequels, they're the ones who saw Anakin grow up. They're the ones who went to Luke. They're the ones who delivered the message. They're the ones who told that story. They they, they were the narrators of Star Wars. Right, right, because they're droids, so they're there for everything. Exactly. They're they're not humans, so they're going to be around for all types of generations. My two narrators for every single show was Jerry Strauss and Sean Cradle. Now you're wondering, well, why would you want to give two commentators? Great, great announcer. Why, why, why would you want to give two announcers all the time in the world? Yeah. Because at that time, whether we were an online business, a TV business, or a DVD business, those were the only two guys with the absolute capability of telling my vision and explaining to the fans what they're seeing, why those guys are yeah, doing they what good, they're doing. Man what the history was, where they're going. I could have fed them some lines so that way they could build up anticipation on the DVDs. And it fucking kills me that those two guys, I never said, hey, man, come in. Like, don't necessarily give me stuff, input for the creative meeting, but listen and ask questions because if they're my Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler or or my Michael Cole and and (laughs) Ryan Saxton or whoever it is, my my fucking gorilla and, and, and Jesse... I need you guys to translate what I'm what's on this paper because clearly the guys in the ring aren't doing it. Most of them were not doing it, but at least my guys right. could clean up the mess. They can tell that story going forward. They can get you excited to, to buy the next DVD, to see the next match. And I should have made yeah. all the fucking time in the world for those two guys. They deserved it. And, and it's one of my biggest regrets that I never gave them that, that time. I mean, I, I like them both. They, they were great on commentary. I mean, Man. nobody's perfect. Credo's a Baltimore uh, Orioles fan, but, you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> what are you going to do? Th- th- those two guys are the two unsung heroes of cyberspace. Those guys deserve so much credit because with all the changes and things happening, with with, um, yeah. with all the, the questionable creative decisions, with, with sometimes there were continuity breaks in the storytelling for certain reasons like Mo leaving or Punk leaving or the solution, miss, missing, um, you know, getting caught in traffic. Those were the guys that were there to help clean up my mess to the viewers. And man, I should have had all the time in the world for those two guys. So my apologies to those two great guys, Jerry yeah. Strauss and Sean Cradle. And they're very successful now. They're doing a lot of good shit out there. As a matter of fact, Sean Cradle's out there um, doing some work with Jim Ross. Um, also, I believe doing a lot of work with with uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. Jerry Strauss has a couple yeah. of blogs out there and podcasts. I know he was doing something recently with Vicky Guerrero. I don't know if that podcast is still going on. So, um, and I just found out recently, believe it or not, after all these years, I didn't know that Jerry Strauss was brothers with Rob Echoes. Really? You had no idea either, did you? I heard it here first, just now <laughs> on the Midnight Hustle. Man, never knew about that. No idea, man. And you know, funny that we bring wow. up Rob Echoes. Because that's the guy I want to do a lot. Rob Echoes, I mean, fuck, we saw him as Robbie E in TNA. We see him right now as Robert Stone. Right, right. 
in NXT doing yeah, some great things. He's a great hand, man. Yeah. 15 years ago, I had him as a kid and a phenomenal That's worker. Crazy. Do you, the last time I got to yeah. work with Rob Echoes was on Billy's tribute show. And unfortunately, do you know why I never got to work with Rob Echoes before that? Why is that? We had a match. We had a show before I was in creative control. We had a match that Rob Echoes was involved in. And I guess after the match, at some point, the bathrooms were all jammed up. So he went and he took a piss outside of the Wayne PAL. And they caught him on a security camera. And people who ran the PAL gave Billy a lot of shit. Like, oh, you can't have your wrestlers going around pissing on on our property. That's what we have bathrooms for, all this other shit. So Billy fired him and never brought him back for a foolish fucking incident. I mean, Jesus Christ. Wow. You reprimanded him like, yo, dude. He's a great hand, man. man, Like, there's so many ways you could have handled that differently. But, you know, Billy, you're fired. You almost, we almost, I mean, don't get me wrong. We almost lost the building. And the Wayne PAL was our home. But Billy, yeah, like, was, you know him, you're fired. Place. Yeah, yeah. I, I can picture, I can just see Billy doing that too. You know, mm-hmm. with the swagger. You know, you come here. <laughs> but um, just... yeah, the Wayne PAL was our main stomping ground. But it's too bad that that had to happen because Robbie E, Rob Echoes, Robert yeah. Stone, whatever you want to, you know, refer to him as, great hand, great worker. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a shame. That that that's an opportunity that was missed. Yeah, definitely. Man. Definitely. I mean, I know you brought up Josh Daniels before. Josh Daniels, I, I invested yeah. a lot in. Unfortunately, with Josh, it's it's like um, when, when you make an investment, but the return isn't as great. And that's no disrespect to Josh. Um, Josh did have his limitations when it came to the mic. But I'm telling you what, the first time that I ever saw Josh Daniels perform, I grabbed Billy and I was like, that's your that's your version of Chris Benoit right there. That that's your Man, dynamite you must be kid. Like a, a psychic dude. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I was about to say he reminded me of Chris Benoit, the, his move set, yes. his build, you know, his style. Everything reminded me of Chris Benoit. I thought he was a great hand, not much of a talker, but he, he was a great hand. He's an actor now. I know. Exactly. Shout out to him, which is which is ironic because he had so much trouble. You have no idea how much time I spent. Not only when, when I was running the shows, but I was shooting the backstage promos but I would have to get these guys in, into that mind frame to, to deliver the speech, to promote the next match, to, to tell the story. And it was so difficult with Josh. Josh would just fumble the lines. Josh yeah. would get mad and say he'd beat himself. I mean, the outtakes and the bloopers would take an entire tape. And it was like, holy shit. I was like, Josh, j- just say it this way, this way, this way. That was his Achilles heel. But once he got in the <laughs> ring, forget about it. Josh Daniels was lights out. And, and when he was our internet champion, Holy shit. I was so fucking proud of having Josh Daniels as that internet champion because I knew he was he was the kind of guy yeah, that, that gives match. you a match that steals the show. We were setting up a feud with Josh Daniels and Bobby Roode. So right. um, we, we were at this one show, Bobby Roode. Josh goes over. I, I can't remember if he pinned him or if, if Bobby was disqualified, um, but he lays out Josh Daniels. And you can, oh, I think he draped the, the, like the uh, the Canadian flag over him when he did it. So I said, now, Josh, you're going to come out later in the show and you're going to challenge him to a flag match, USA versus Canada. So he goes, oh, that's great. I said, now you get to go out there. You get to be the American yeah. hero. You go out there Don't to wave, yourself, man. Right, wave the red, white, and blue, defend yeah. your title and defend our country. So while we're going back there and I'm going over, I said, Josh, this is going to be that moment that changes you because nobody's really seen you speak. They've seen you work. But now you go out there and tell them from your heart why you want this guy in the ring and why it has to be a flag match. While I'm back there going over 
the promo and pumping Josh up. Fucking Firehawk is in the ring. Like, hey, right. Josh Daniels is going to fight this guy in a flag match next month. <laughs> and Josh looks at me. He's like, what the fuck did he just do? Dude, Josh deflated. And I was Unbelievable. like, it, it was it was one of those situations where Billy just couldn't hold himself and went out yeah, there. Open his mouth, man. You couldn't send him somewhere with the toy belt and get it signed somewhere. I mean, come on, man. Dude, I was fucking. Fe- I they probably reported that <laughs> that I went out there. The leash. And I argued with fucking Billy, and I'm like, what? And I literally in front of a crowd, like he came out of the ring. Next match was about to go in, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Can you-? Josh had his promo set up. He's supposed to go out there and announce that and challenge him to a flag. How the fuck? Did you- that makes no sense. Like you just took away his pop. You, you just took that? away all his steam. And Billy's like, oh well, you know, well we we can fix yeah, it. Like I, I mean, t- what was his reason? Dude, there's no reason. He- Billy couldn't control himself. He always had to be in the ring. So I got mad and I took the script. I said, you know what? If you don't, if, if I'm going to fucking do all this for none, so you can just piss away, you do the fucking show. And I threw the fucking script at him. And apparently that was on all the messages. Yeah. I was like, you fucking write it. And I walked out of the building and he had to come out and come get me. And it was, it was just a bed. And then everyone, Oh my God, Derek Gordon throws script in Billy Firehawk's face. And I'm like, and, fr- and from there, the keyboard warriors took place. Exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. And like I said, yeah. I put heavy investment in Josh so that even when he lost the internet championship, I still have plans for him because I, I was curious to see if I could develop him. It was a challenge to myself if I could turn him into a main yeah. eventer. And he was going to end up... matches with Mike Krul also. Yes, he did. And and the, the funny thing about the Mike Krul matches, um, first off, Mike Krul, a phenomenal worker. Oh my, I don't oh, know so, what he's doing today. Yeah. I don't know how he didn't get scooped up, but Mike Krul could fucking bring it. You were on, on the indie scene way before cyberspace. Do yeah. you remember his he dad? Go, man. You remember yeah. his father? Yeah, I was gonna say his father was his father was a wrestler. Yeah. Bodyguard for hire. I, I never understood the bodyguard for hire. He had the um like like the leather biker pants and then the tight. T- he looked like if you ever if you're a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fan from uh, the movie Commando, he looked like Bennett. The guy, the bad guy that kidnapped um, Schwarzenegger's daughter, yes, that yes. doesn't steam Bennett. He looked like fucking yeah, Bennett. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He looked just I, like I, that I, dude. What I didn't understand was freaking that out. He would carry around the fucking python like Jake the Snake, and at the end of the match, he'd bring a snake out. And I'm like, I don't understand how that fits the character. Yes. Yeah. How does that fit the bodyguard for hire? Is, is the snake the bodyguard that you hired yeah, by the I'm snake? Like, I mean, what's I, going on I don't on get here? it, but, you know, it popped for the kids because to them it was like Jake the Snake, but it wasn't Jake the Snake. So, but very good guy. I mean, such a down-to-earth guy. Mike Krul, man, yeah, yeah. Apple does not fall far from the tree. First of all, great worker, submission technical wrestler. But, I mean, such a humble guy. On the very last show that we ran with Billy, yeah. um, I didn't have anything for him on that show. Uh, I was just like, listen, I'm going to cool you down on this one. I'm going to build you up with something else. But let me just think about it. Bring you back for Cybercade. We'll figure it out. Um, right, right. Apparently, he didn't remember that conversation. And Billy booked him anyway. <laughs> so I get to the building and I, and I see Bodyguard and, and Mike crew there. And I'm like, fuck you doing here? He goes, I'm booked on the show. I was right, like, right. I didn't book you. He goes, no, Billy did. I was like, I said, Mike. I don't have you written into the, into the shot. I don't have a match for you. And I don't know where, I'm pretty sure he was coming yeah, from somewhere in New York. Now, I mean. And we were in the fucking boonies of Jersey. And I'm like, Mike, I feel so fucking right, bad. Right. I was like, I said, give, give me a minute. Let me just go make sure we, we got some budget money in there. I'll pay. We'll, we'll do a quick match. He goes, no, no, no. Don't worry. If yeah, you don't have I mean, anything, he came I'll go all home. that way, but Billy should have said something to you. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. happened 
a million times that I'd right. walk into I'd walk into the locker room and be like, "The fuck are you doing here?" And they're like, "Oh, I, I, Frankie Kazarian, Tracy Brooks." Um, I mean, dude, the list goes on and on. I could yeah. just count all day where I'd walk into the locker room and now. Uh, on the day of the show, as if I didn't have enough to do, I'd have to go rewrite something right. and insert something into the show that wasn't there before and make sense of it. But the reason why I bring that up with Mike Cruel was because he literally grabbed me by the show. He goes, dude, it's okay. You've treated me so good that if this was a fuck yeah, up, right, right. don't worry about it, man. It's my fault. I was like, dude, please don't ever take blame for something that, appreciative, that, that he the office did. He goes, dude, dude you, you have always been good to me and it's okay. I'll, I'll just go home. Dude, I felt like shit that day to have somebody travel all that way with their father, expecting to have a match, and I had nothing for them. Right. But the fact, the, the way he just you know, and and not not to be disrespectful, but that's on Billy, man. He never he he should have said something to you. Yeah. I mean, he left you in the dark. He didn't explain it to you. Had you have known, uh-huh. I know for a fact that the stand-up guy you are, you would have wrote him in. You, I was you know, working on it. Yeah, but, but it was but, like it was just thrown at your face. You had no idea. You got hit out of left field with it. It, it. it was just the confidence that he had and, and the humility that he had. He was like, hey, it's okay. Mistakes happen. The words that he said when he said, you've always been good to me, meant a ton. And I, I was glad that he understood it. Dude, I, 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 we, I gave him gas money. I, said, I gave him 50 bucks. I said, let me at least pay for your gas money so you can go home. I appreciate you coming out. 50 right. bucks out of my own fucking pocket because I felt crushed. That, that yeah, well, it was a good gesture anymore. on your part. I mean, you know, he came all the way out. So, and dude, my thing right, was right, like, right. I always liked having a good I mean, relationship I don't with the talent. Doing the same thing. I, I, I like having a good rapport with the talent yeah. because if that's the case, and they, they they don't work for you, they work for the envelope, but they don't work for you. And also, yeah. the last thing that I also don't need is for a guy like Mike Cruel, a guy like Bobby Fish, or, or anybody else to go on the message boards. Or to go tell other promoters, go tell other workers, don't work for that guy. They fucked me out of money. They fucked me out of a booking. They don't stand by their word. Fuck those guys. Yeah, I, that's the best thing I don't need that. Have a bad rap. Yeah, my exactly. reputation is everything. Right, right. And, and the thing with Mike Crew was, man, he was such a – he had the you same know. Josh Daniels problem. And I put them in a feud because pound for pound, they matched up so well. And the submission wrestling, the Japanese exactly. – all, all the shit they yeah. had going on. The problem was neither one of them could talk. Mike Krul had the same problem. Talk, exactly. I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. So I, I tried to set yeah. them up for in, Mike Krul in... being the heel. It's too bad we didn't have him with, with uh, like someone like John Shane because that yeah. could have worked. Yeah. Well, the thing was that Mike Krul was we put him into the faction with Matt Striker and the SATs, so Matt Striker could do all the talking, and just point right. to his he backup guys. Guy. Right. So I mean, right. it, it fit perfect. He, he played like the henchman role. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was the shooter. Mike the Shooter Crew. Mm-hmm. Dude, love that guy. Wish yeah. he was still arrested. That's the guy that belongs on TV. Um, but ironically, at Cyber K2, Josh Daniels and Mike Crew, who had been feuding for a good part of the year, which is another problem that I had too, and I'll explain that in a moment. Um, they were supposed to have their blow-off match, a submission match at Cyber K2. I want to okay. say that Mike had broken his leg or his arm. Day of the show, oh, he comes in in the cast, and I'm like, <clears throat> "What the fuck?" <laughs> he goes, "Hey man, I'm sorry, I can't bump, I can't that's do not, anything." That's not, the, that's not in the script. What yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh man," it's like, "Fuck, what do I? What do, ooh, like, what do I do? This is this isn't like day of the show. Like in my head, I'm like, "Why the fuck didn't you call me a couple of days ago where I could have worked this yeah. out?" Day of the show, you show up at a cast. I'm like, "Fuck." 
again, I said it earlier in the mm-hmm. show. I give credit where it's due. Dave Levy came to the rescue. Dave Levy says, hey, Jay Lethal is in the stands. Do you want me to see if he's got his gear? And I was like, wow. Okay. Now, let me not fucking lie. I hesitated because at that time, Jay Lethal was their heavyweight champion. JPW heavyweight champion. Right. And I was like, JPW, yeah, we still always go every month. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So do I have Jay Lethal work the show as their, you know, as their heavyweight champion? Do, do I mention Jersey All Pro? Do I mention, um, is this an exhibition match? Is it cyberspace versus Jersey All Pro? Like, like how do I work this in? Or is this just a like regular a, like match? An invasion angle. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and the thing is, I hadn't spoken to Fat Frank. I hadn't spoken to anybody. Jay Lethal was willing to take the work and yeah. the payday on a massive show like that. It, like basically Cybercade was our WrestleMania. Right, right. So yeah, fuck yeah, he'll work. You know, it's got nothing to do with what he's doing JAPW, but exactly what I expected is exactly what happened. We put Jay Lethal in the match, and it was a phenomenal match. Right. But then the message boards go, Oh no, he can go blowing but- shit up. And they're like, yeah. oh, how disrespectful. You take your competitor's heavyweight champion and you have him wrestle for your second-tier title. I'm like, look, motherfucker. I didn't book it that way. That was supposed to be Mike Krul and Josh Daniels. They right, right. came up with the great idea right. saying Jay Lethal's in the stands. A Jay Lethal-Josh Daniels match will blow the roof off the fucking house. I'm not thinking about your promotion. I'm yeah, thinking about mine. And Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? And there's no doing? contract that he was he was only exclusive to JAPW, so there's no reason why he can't work for cyberspace. And let, let's not forget that I gave all respect to JAPW, and I didn't have Jay Lethal do the job. I, I can't remember what the outcome of the match was. Bottom right. line is, Josh Daniels still walked out as champion. I don't know if it was double countout, double DQ. I don't know if it, time. I don't remember. The bottom but I didn't, was he wasn't treated like a chump. Exactly. That's that's the bottom line. That's your headliner. That's your big draw. That's your champion. That, that's your main guy. I am not going to disrespect you, your promotion. I'm not going to disrespect the talent. I'm going to put him in there with a quality right. match. I can't have him go over because I don't know if I'm going to ever get him again. How would that Ever have him again. Right, right. Yeah, how's that going to look? That I'm a, a fierce competitor of ours. At the same time, you didn't make him look bad either. I mean, right. you know, you do what you had to do. I couldn't continuously book your heavyweight champion yeah. in my mid card. Makes no sense. We eventually did for maybe right. two other shows because mm-hmm. Jay Lethal asked for that but you know it, it put me in a bind but had it not been for dave levy that match never would have happened so i gotta thank him for that you know i look back at the stuff that we did with jay lethal and be honest with you it, it really didn't make sense it, it felt like you were forcing the square peg in the round hole like he would come right. over you know he'd come over like hey you got anything for me uh, I don't know, Jay. Maybe we, we could probably work something mm-hmm. out here. Um, like I said, he was JPW champion. I was like, what do I really do? I can't just catapult you into my main event, although I could have. Right. But how does that make sense? If I put him in my main event, he's got to do the job to my champion. Now that ruins what you look like for the other yeah, right. It ruins his clout because he's a champ. Right. So right, I got to keep exactly. you strong. I'm exactly. like, all right, listen, you're their champion. I'll have you beat our mid-card guys. Jay Lethal, good guy. Very, very talented guy. And he was very young at the time. Oh, yeah. But even at that time, ego, huge. It was almost like dealing with CM Punk. Well, he shot promos in the back. And what we would do is because we want fans to to take things home, take souvenirs home with them 
that gets them excited to come to the next show. You would remember when you'd go to Madison Square Garden, you'd get a program, and then you open the program, right. and they on, on the back page of the program, they'd have like those little boxes with the roster. And you're like, oh, they added Billy Jack Hayes yes. or here's Hercules Hernandez. And you see the little. So I want to do something like that yep. where they come and they would get eight by tens and say, oh, I hope this guy's on the next show or I got his door. Maybe he'll autograph it for me. Jay Lethal would come in, look at exactly. that. And Walker was like, where's my cut of that? I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're cut. He goes, yeah, where's, what's my percentage? I'm like, there is no percentage. You get paid for your match. He goes, but the you're using. Bro, you're not WWE. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> what, what the about fuck? Percentage? So he asked me that two times, and okay, on the second, first time I laughed. The second time I was like, yo, you need to go talk to Billy, because that's that's got nothing to do with me. I didn't promise you a cut of that. I'm booking you creatively, but when it comes to money, you need to go work that out right. with Billy. Nobody else got a cut. I'm from surprised he didn't bitch about having an action figure. Dude, <laughs> if you think about it this way, we were yeah. spending, not we, Billy and Daisy were spending thousands per show i mean an oh, obscene yeah. amount of money there's no right. fucking way that they were going to make that money back with ticket sales or dvd sales so we had to make t-shirts we no. had to make eight by tens we had to do little things little tchotchkes to compensate for the revenue we weren't bringing in so that was to make the money back i mean right because yeah. if we're not making money back how can i fucking right. do another show how can i book you and pay you to do another show are you willing to take a pay cut because I didn't make enough money on my last event. So I'm selling an 8 by 10 of right. you. So people come back to see you. It gives me a reason to book you. And now you're asking for more fucking money? Like, come on, dude. Like, how about this? Right. You feel that uh, way. Know, that's balls, man. Then get a fucking gimmick stand and sign autographs during intermission. No, nah, I don't do that. Well, well, then, not my fucking problem, then. If you want to make extra money, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, you work the gimmick stands, sign some merch, like you said. And if he's not willing to do that, then you know what, man? That's on him. Because there's no fucking uh, deals and, you know, uh, percentages like he wanted. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. It's an indie promotion. You know, you're there for the, for the, for the night making money. We're making money. Everybody's happy, but there's no like incentives or percentages. I mean, that's ridiculous. And that's the thing. If if cyberspace goes out of business, which it eventually did, well, that's one less place you you got a booking for. That's one less opportunity for you to go work in front of people or to to earn a paycheck that night. It's like, so let us try to do what we can do. I'm not doing this to rip you off. I'm doing this so we can afford to do more shows and bring and make you a part of it. But after that, one hand washes the other, you guys do that. And he gets the experience. Right. And and in my my opinion, (laughs) I, I thought it was bad business using him. Not because he was, he's, he's a great talent. He's very, very talented, but because he was a top guy in our, our rival promotion, I didn't think it made sense. So we, we, we faded that Eventually out. Eventually it's going to clash. Mike Tobin, you mentioned him earlier. Yo, M. Tizzle. Yeah, man. What, what, a, what a talent. I loved M. Tizzle's gimmick. I mean, he was our version of the legend killer. Mm-hmm. We brought in Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> we brought in so many, like, you know, guys that were over the hill that were still going. Uh-huh. And that just enhanced that gimmick. And him with John Shane, that shit was money, man. I loved it. I thought Mike Tobin was awesome. You know, Look, and anyone who's a fan of Savage is, is a fan of, I'm a fan of, so. Of course. You gotta, you gotta love M. Tizzle, man. Shout out to you. He, I thought he was great. Mike Tobin yeah. is an exact example of me saying, we're going to take the title off you, but don't worry. I still have plans for you. So the first, one of the first nights, as a matter of fact, the right. first night that I was on uh, Cyberspace, the show that I brought Roddy Piper in, Mike Tobin and Josh Daniels, wrestled each other for the vacated internet championship. And 
Billy went with mm-hmm. Mike Tobin. And I was like, okay, cool. I dig it. He cuts his promo. Hey, oh, look at me. First night in the promotion, I win gold. And this, that, the other day. I'm like, damn, this guy could fucking talk. And I love it. And then, and then he wears the TM from Mike Tobin, or the MT from Mike Tobin. And it yeah, looks like Tony man. Montana. Have you seen yeah. the tattoo? <laughs> or his gear? He was, he, right, I right. was like, dude, You're this guy loves pop. Right now. <laughs> yeah. he loves pop culture and all this other shit so i'm in, I'm in the back oh, i don't know him time. i'm yeah. i'm just doing my my stuff and i hear yo Derek gordon so like, who the fuck was that and I turn around it's him i've never met mike before in my life at least i didn't think so he goes i know you right 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 I'm rich man kuzo keep it in the ring mike is a big bronx guy he represents the bronx oh, the God. fullest rich the mark man kuzo there's that name yeah <laughs> Well, the fact that Mike recognized <laughs> Sorry, me, man. the fact that he recognized me from all those, I'm dude, we're talking 1992 when I was doing the hotline, when I was doing the, the Metro access in, right, right. In, in Manhattan and in the Bronx, the fact that he remembered me from there, yeah. 20 years That's later, of a memory, bro, blew my fucking mind 20 years later. He goes, that's all you, Rich Man Kuz. I was like, holy shit. Dude, we bonded immediately. He's a huge fan yeah. of old school movies. Huge Karate Kid fan. Huge fan of, of, of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. fan, I mean, you name it. This fucking guy is amazing. I love him to death. Yeah. And he's one of the few guys that I have remained in contact with. Yeah. One of his passion to his personality. He's such a humble human being. And three, he is so dedicated. When you look at that guy, you're yeah. like, this skinny kid? This guy's your champ? Yo, he put it on the right, line right. every night. Yeah, oh, but he can, bro, he can go, man. Dude, he can go. He can talk. Dude, we kept the, the title on him for a year. And it's funny, the way I set it up when I saw him, I thought in my head, because I when I saw Josh, I went to Billy. I was like, yo, that is your Benoit. And when he didn't put the title on Josh, I was like, that's kind of awkward. But I figured because Josh is eventually right. going to be the internet champion, let's bring him back around. The two of you started in cyberspace together. Tobin gets his hand raised and becomes internet champion. We come back a year later. Right. And Josh ends up being the guy who beat him for the title. And dude, it, it was just such a beautiful, it's almost like, like Cinderella circle. story. Yeah, it went full circle. The funny thing is, is like I see, I see Tobin. I was like, just because you don't have a title doesn't mean you're you're not valuable to me. So, like you said, Randy Orton was doing the legend killer exactly. gimmick. And I said, you know what? I can't do legend killer. What I can do is the future Hall of Famer. So we made a plaque for Mike Tobin. It said, Mike Tobin, future yeah, Hall of Famer. The plaque. Yep. Right? He'd walk around with a plaque. Yep. And then every time he would I remember a legend, yeah. we'd etch their name. We'd get a little plate and etch their name on the plaque. So like Nikolai Volkov, D'Lo Brown, a couple of other people on there. And the thing is, he didn't necessarily beat them. I mean, I guess and he the would do the, the job. List. But the fact that we were putting in him in there with legends... He loved that. He was like, oh, my God, get, I don't give a fuck if I'm doing the job. You're putting me in there with Billy Gunn and, and Al Snow and this one and that one. And he, it was just like, I just love that. But he has the little weapon on the yeah. side. It's like the megaphone. It's something that I could use to hit somebody over the head with or, or like Sherry's purse or whatever the case was. And, you know, John Shane got right, the some kind of enhancer. Dude, yeah. it was fucking tremendous. Exactly. And he sold it so well as the future Hall of Famer that, believe me, that is something I just want to keep going and going and going until yeah. the very end. But, um, man, shout out to Mike Tobin. What a fucking yeah. worker. I would love I to work he, with him again. I think uh, Mike moved out to Florida, I believe. He is. I believe he's he's on I the – he's by you. He's in Florida now. 
He's a couple of hours away. He's like closer to Orlando. I think he's in the Jupiter area now. But as far as I understand, he's working in radio, still using that gift of the gab. He's been putting up a lot of videos on his social media. Um, That's awesome. There's one thing that I fucking love. I'm going to steal it from you, Mike. I'm letting you know right now, Tizzle, is that he actually went on his vacation and he goes to legendary spots of where they shot movies. So I remember him being in San Francisco. He's like, this is the street that Steve McQueen was driving on in Bullet. And this is that. And he went down the entire wow. coast, went to the beach where Karate Kid was. He found murals. I mean, dude, I love Mike Tobin, dude. That, that's my dude right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, if you're listening, if we ever hit the lotto and have another promotion, you'll be one of our guys if you're interested. <laughs> It'll be old timers. They will be fucking decrepit walking to the ring with our broken bodies. <laughs> but, um, Bring you know, Walker. You know, you, you mentioned Cindy Rogers before because she was a part of, of the John Shane. Yeah, thing. man. Let me tell you something. She was tough in the ring. You know, she was uh, she was like all go. She was like very vicious in the ring. Another one that really didn't talk much. Mm -hmm. So having John Shane, you know, being her manager, it, it made sense. You know, she wasn't much of a talker, but she was a great, you know, in-ring worker. She played the heel role very well. This was during an era when WWE was only doing like brawn panty matches. And they had a couple of girls who could work, but then they would wrestle girls who couldn't work at all. They were just there for their looks. And Cindy was right. professionally trained. Cindy was a hard worker. She wasn't there because of her look. She was there because of her skill. Um, and I, I don't know. She if could go. Right. She, she could go. Absolutely. And I don't know if she was if she had a big influence from Brett the Hitman Hart because she'd come in with a leather jacket. But she had very sound technical skill in the ring. And I was like, wow, she's like a female enforcer. Yeah. I really like her style, but she couldn't talk much. And the problem was backstage. Right. I always believed in female wrestling. I always knew that they brought that. Again, I, I put myself in other people's shoes. And the same way me as, as a Latino, as a Puerto Rican, the way I would watch movies or, or, or mm -hmm. a Marvel film, like, yo, where's the Puerto Rican superheroes? Where, where's my guy? Like when, when Black Panther came out and the African-Americans are like, yo, T'Challa representing me. Right. That's it. I get to see myself on the screen. I'm like, all right, I want to see me on the screen. And I thought right. that in professional wrestling, there was a demographic of females who would want to see themselves as, as, as a female wrestler. I'm like, hey, I love right. wrestling too. Why can't I compete? Why do I always have to show my tits? Why do I always why have to have my clothes ripped right. off? Right. right. Why do I have to wrestle in jello? Like, why can't I have a competitor? And I feel that. Yeah. Why the can't girl... I go like the way the guys go? Yeah. Right. And that's why the women that I booked in NWA cyberspace had something to bring the ring. Yes, Tracy Brooks flaunted it because I love Tracy to death and I always wanted to see that shit bouncing around the ring, but Tracy could work. Jazz, probably one, if not the best female wrestler we ever had. April Hunter, who had looks and the skill in the ring. And then you had other girls in there. Like you said, Lacey. Lacey came right. from Ring of Honor. Lacey brought her shit to the ring. But Cindy has a special quality. Yeah, they could all work. And, and it's funny that you mentioned that match because the follow-up match wasn't even a triple threat. The follow-up match was a false count anywhere match between Lacey and Cindy Rogers. When have you ever seen a That's false right. count anywhere on match with the girls? That's right. Yeah, I worked security that match. I remember it. Yeah, they, yeah, went, they went by the chairs. They flew through the crowd. It was a brutal match. I Dude, remember that. Yeah. Yo, they, Lacey and Cindy Rogers brought it in that match all around, in the bleachers, in the stands, knocking out the first couple of rows. And I'm like, yo, right. if, a, if, if two men can do it, why can't two women? Why can't two women and go again, out there? We did it before WWE. Think about exactly. that, bro. We did that before WWE had this women's revolution and all that other bullshit. 
15, 18 years prior to that, cyberspace had women actually wrestling, not rolling around in a bowl of jello or, mm -hmm. you know, stupid brown panties matches. They were wrestling. And I believed in this so much that aside from the false count anywhere mm -hmm. match, I also had a match uh, during the tribute show for Billy. As a matter of fact, the gauntlet match where we were crowning Havoc as a new heavyweight champion, we left one spot open. Right. We said the contract's going to be hanging in the back. Anybody could sign, a, sign their name in, and you never knew who was going to come out. You had no idea. And I gave a spot right. to Cindy Rogers. Right. Why couldn't Cindy Rogers be challenging yeah. for the heavyweight title? And, and it, it was a great moment because John Shane, who's the former manager of Havoc, is in there, but he brings this tough-as-nails female and Havoc's like, I can't hit a girl. She's like, well, fuck you. I can hit a guy. And she starts going to work on him. And he's exactly. like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, what am I supposed right, to do? Right, he picks right. her up, hits her with the F5, and boom, it's out. But it was just a matter of including her in that match to say, hey, I've got that much confidence right, in right. that I want you in the main event against a man for the championship. It wasn't a full match. I wasn't advertising yeah, it. Still go. Right. It wasn't but a full match. But still, right, right. And, and just the gasping in that room, like, Huh? What? Yeah. How? Yeah, that's, that's because the best she part fucking of earned it. Yeah. She fucking earned it. Yep, so shout, shout out to her, man. Um, but the thing that I wanted to bring up though yeah. was a lot of um. I'm not going to mention names here because I there's some guys out there who are still working, and and I don't want I don't want to cause a rift in, in their current work. But there were a lot of guys mm -hmm. that we know that were in our locker room that hated the fact that we had so many females in our roster. They said that it cheapened the product. Yeah. And I was like. Old school mentality. That's that old school mentality, man. I've always been of the mentality. And I could be wrong. And I think to a degree I am. Because if I were to book now, I would do things slightly different. But for an independent promotion. I mentioned this on an upcoming video when I'm doing the Heart Foundation of British Bulldogs on an anatomy of a match. As a promoter, economically. Right. You've got four guys in the ring, and that's four different paychecks for one match. So if you have your champions battling your number one contenders, mm -hmm. somewhere on the card, I have to have another tag team match to build the next number one contenders. So now that that's right, eight right, paychecks right. Makes sense. for two matches. A lot of the guys are feeling yeah. that- It adds up I'm, quickly, man. Right, it yeah. adds up quickly. So economically- I can understand why Vince McMahon didn't want to do tag team wrestling anymore. It costs too much. It's not cost effective. Just get rid of the straps and fuck tag team wrestling. It's done. We don't need it. Same thing can be said for women's wrestling. Why are you putting that's a, that's that prime real estate we could put on another feature attraction. So if I have two women fighting for right. the title, I got to have two other women fighting down here to build one of them up to challenge for the title next. Well, that's two two women's matches on the card. You cheapen the product. Right. Why do we have that? I'm like, what the fuck, man? And the hard-headed mentality. Again, we're talking 2004 to 2007. Things have completely changed now. Now there are organizations exclusively, exclusively dedicated to women's professional yeah. wrestling. And sometimes they put on better yeah. matches than the men. But just to hear well, that. They put on better matches than the guys or just as good. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the I thing. Mean, like, you have I... men or women, you have great workers and shit workers. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing jello matches and bra and panty matches. I was putting on competitive championship or challenging matches. And I was being told Actual backstage matches. right, right, by people that I respected, it cheapens the product. That hurt. The women's matches were great. I mean, we had a little of everything. We had the women's matches. We had good tag team matches. You know, we had main events that were awesome. 
you know, like like the dog collar match between Abyss and um in in in, in Mana. Mm-hmm. That that was insane. You bring up Mana, Mana, the Polynesian warrior. Wow, when you say that a guy gives blood, yeah. sweat, phenomenal talent, un fucking real. Literally. How that guy did yeah. not get picked up, and, and I got a feeling I know why. Now keep in mind, let, let me just get off track a little bit. Um. Billy had been booking TNA talent long before I got there. And when I got there, I was like, Billy, there's right. so much more you can be doing. I think I mentioned this in the last show. I was like, you can't have the TNA talent messing around with these clones. We got to strengthen up our, our home promotions so that way they can get a good rub with our these TNA guys. Talent. And who knows, man? Maybe. Absolutely. Right. Our homegrown talent, who knows? We can be the farm system for a place like TNA. I'm not going to lie. Yes, we tried to sell ourselves out to TNA to be their official farm system. That is why we had so much TNA talent. We will discuss that on the next episode. But my goal was to build up a lot of our talent to be featured on TNA. Josh Daniels, after he wrestled Robert Roode, there was a gimmick I was going to run with Josh. I was on the fence and I was talking to Billy about. Because of the flag match, I was going to do a story. Because remember, they had the flag match at NYWC, and that's where Josh lost the title. So there he is defending America, but loses the match, gets the Canadian flag draped around him, and has to hand over his title to Robert Roode while the Canadian national anthem right. is going on. I wanted that to sink into Josh's heart right. you mean and, feel, yeah. and, and, and rebuild himself, kind of like the Lex Express. I was thinking about doing something corny. I was passing around ideas with Billy. I was like, they've got G.I. Joe. What if we made him G.I. Josh? And he comes out with the flag. He's dressed in fatigues. Kind of like what... what um. Booker T, which you do it under GI Bro, but we do GI Josh. And that's something we can take over. We got a flag waving guy. We get the people chanting USA, right, right. Yeah. USA. Mm-hmm. And maybe Josh can talk as a patriot as opposed oh, to just alone a, we get the crowd going. You get the fans behind you because of the flag. And now you can work off of that. You can talk innuendos in your promos based on being a patriot and being a soldier and, and you go into war against the bad guys and all that other corporal Kirshner. That could have been Josh. So I'm doing all right. these things. I was about to say Corporal Kirshner, yeah. yeah, the Corporal Corps. I mean, as long as it's USA, I don't give a shit what you put in your hand. Yep. Two by four. I could take mm-hmm. a bottle of my water. I could take yeah. whatever I got in my hand <laughs> and, and say USA and promote Toddy D and forget about it, man. They're going to go crazy for USA. No matter what you hold in your hand and you're yelling USA, mm-hmm. you got the crowd. You got him, baby. Josh had trouble on the mic. And I figured, hey, let me put you in this gimmick. Yeah, it's corny. Of course it is. But if wrestling is cartoony, you're trying to make it to the big leagues. If you're grappling, that's that's what Chris Benoit right. had the problem was. It was that he was a great worker in the ring, but he couldn't work the stick. Josh suffered from the same right. thing. Talk. Right. So if I put you in this cartoony right. character and you got people chanting USA, maybe that'll get you on TV. Right. You'll minimize the talking. Right. 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 Exactly. Maybe Jeff Jarrett say, hey, we could use a guy like that. Yeah, you know, he may not be our top guy, but is an undercard guy. And it gets Josh on television. Um, you know, I, I went but to bat for a couple of other people. Right. So when it came to Mana, I'm thinking that the only reason, the only reason why Mana probably never made it to TNA was because they already had Samoa Joe. We had a trilogy with with Abyss and Mana. And the first one was just, hey, put two monsters in the ring. They tore the house down. The second one was that dog collar match, which is probably one of the greatest matches we ever booked. A bloodbath that we just put up on, on the Midnight Hustle page. And then the final one, where yeah. Mana actually won the last man standing match. And I figured Abyss loved Mana. He loved working with him. And yeah. I know that Abyss yeah, tried did. to push for Mana, 
my gut feeling is that because they had Samoa Joe, they don't want to have a Poly- Polynesian warrior and then have a Samoan guy in there. Although if you right. put them against each other, that could have been another war. I also think that, that, that Mana, had, right there. Mana had issues with, with, with um, citizenship. I don't think he was an American citizen. I think he was on a work visa. Right. So we lost him for a period of time. Um, yeah. But there were so many things I was planning on doing with Mana. Unfortunately, cyberspace closed. He made his big return on one of our last shows. And I, I, I turned him babyface, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What can we do with, with, with a good monster, with a tamed monster?" And um, man, it was so much. Unfortunately, I lost contact with with uh, with Mana after yeah. Cyberspace closed. It was kind of an incident. It was I want to say an incident, but um, Mana was suffering uh, from health issues, and he was running shows in Australia or New Zealand, wherever it was. And um, Billy had already passed. And he's yeah. hit me up for help with finances. And I'm like, dude, I was never the money guy at cyberspace. I, I can't help uh, contribute financially to your thing. I said, you know, I have some merchandise that I might be able to help out help, with. Yeah, help with the show, right? Right. I said, I have some merchandise. If you want to sell merch, maybe raffle yeah. it off and make one. Like I had um, a guitar that Jeff Jarrett used. I want to say it was over Abyss's head that he would use, uh, you know, one of those gray and black That's guitars. That's a good piece of memorabilia. So I had I had that broken guitar and I had Jeff sign and I said, yeah. oh, one day I'll auction it off, whatever the case is. I said, maybe I could send that to you. Uh, I'll ship it out to, to Australia. Problem is, it ended up getting broken up in my move when I ended up moving around that time. Um, so that thing got completely oh, damaged. But he would yeah. start sending me emails and messages. He goes, I did so much for your company. I bled for you. I gave you guys everything. I'm practically in a wheelchair now. I'm only asking for this. I mean, I, and dude, he was putting the fucking... And I'm like, yo, dude, listen, I appreciate everything you did. Like, but like, you, like a giant guilt bomb. Yeah, you're yeah. obligating me to do something <clears throat> that I'm not in a position to do. I wasn't financing cyberspace. And, yeah, right. I, I, But not for like, nothing, man. No one twisted his arm, you know, to do what he did in the match. You know, with the yeah. blood. And, I mean, you know what the consequences are going to be when you're in a when you're in a dog collar match. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a scientific match. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, you, you know, you, you're going to bleed. You're going to get hurt. People, there's going to be stiff shots. Yeah. And I just not saying toward mana, but just in the business in general and wrestling, I hate when a wrestler does something and then years later, they use that against you. And and that's what was happening. You I, know, I was, no one, I was no getting your arm. Yo, he was laying it on thick. I did so much for you guys. I bled for you. I always gave percent. You guys were, and I was like, dude, I'm not saying you didn't. I love you to death. I appreciate everything you did. Granted, you did it yourself. Right. <laughs> I mean, you want to get noticed, and sometimes exactly you went over no one twisted no your arm. Listen, yeah. Sabu never would have became a legend. Nobody told Sabu to scar up his body, jump in barbed wire, jump off the fucking roof of a building. You did that to get noticed. Exactly. I get it. And I appreciate everything you did for us, but you can't obligate me to want to finance your promotion no. when I'm not in that position. I, I just couldn't do it. That's and not, I had that's to, not cool, man. You, you don't do yeah, that. I and again, all love to Nick Mana. I, I just it just put us in a bad spot where I just had to back away from it and and look the other way because it was only so much that I could do. And it hurt me to do that, but I'm not sure what the expectation was. And, and it, it just it just bothered. It right. Was, Plus it you had very... everything working against you. I mean cyberspace was no longer being funded. Billy didn't Billy wasn't alive. I mean yeah. you know you're not daddy warbucks. You're not gonna be able to pull this out of your out of your ass. What are you gonna do? You know? Yeah man. Yeah it, it's a it, shame, it, but what are you supposed to do? It's tough. And I hear his condition's gotten a little bit worse. I, I heard he might be in a wheelchair now. So I, I wish him nothing he but is. the best. And, and I wish there was something that I could do. He is in a wheelchair. And I don't know what happened or how he became 
you know, paralyzed. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I never asked anybody because I just didn't know. I just thought maybe just over the course of time, all the bumps he took, you know, wrestling and something freakish must have happened. I, you know, I don't yeah. know. Either way, he's in a wheelchair. You, you mentioned Bill Apter, which is legendary Bill Apter, uh, you know, responsible for the after. Oh, my God. Wonderful Willie, man. I, I love working with him, but at times he could be a distraction, man. Um, there were a lot of times where backstage, yeah. again, be, the way I spoke about Jerry Strauss and Sean Cradle, those guys were my narrators. Bill Apter, I was putting in the position to do that. And I was this close to having Billy build a platform. You remember on Saturday morning TV when, uh, when by the entranceway, Mean Gene or Craig DeGeorge would be out there interviewing guys on, on that high rise? Yes. Yep. On the, yeah. You'd see, you'd see the ring in the background. They'd be up right. on the platform on the riser. Yes. It. Yeah. yeah I, I, I want to do that. Yes. That's what I, I envisioned for Afters Alley, not for it to be in the ring, to take away from the ring and have him do his own thing. But the problem was we couldn't find a place to, to the side. Right. Yeah. We, we just couldn't find a place to store the platform. So like, well, what are we doing? We're not doing the show. Right, Who's right. going to hold it? Oh, we'll put it in Todd's garage. There's no problem. So, <laughs> Exactly. Todd had all the shit at his house. Jesus Christ. You know, I needed a bigger house because of cyberspace, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing with, with uh, oh, after what was that he was one of the boys and backstage, I'm trying to cut promos yep. and he's not really in tune. I'd give him bullet points. He's like, so what are we doing again? It's like, fuck, Bill, come on. You should know this already because you got to get the story out of the person you're interviewing. You should be helping exactly. me tell the story. But he's too busy back there doing Jerry Lewis impersonations and having me film things like, oh, I need a copy of that for onewrestling.com. I'm like, fucking Bill, can we focus on cyberspace tonight? So I know. Wake lo- up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Bill. What are we doing? So, but, but, but I love Bill, man. Bill's always right, been right. good. And, and, and he's still out there hustling his ass off, man. So, so good for him. Um, I, I'm, I'm over here. Don't don't think I'm, I'm yeah. ignoring. I'm trying to taking a look at, at a list of people that um, that I wanted to cover on here. And I know that you brought up the amazing red man. No, no problem. What a talent that guy yeah. is. And um, again, I awesome. fucked up. I fucked up. I had no idea how to use red. Um, and it's not it's not that I didn't know how to use him. It's I didn't know when he was available for me. So I didn't know when I would have him. Now that I look back at it, yeah. I had him right. a lot more than I ever anticipated. But because I could have easily made the amazing red, which he was already the amazing red, but I could have made him our version of Ray Mysterio right. Jr. And I could have done something. I could have had people wearing yeah, red. He had the 718. He had everything, yeah. man. He had all the tools. I mean, the guy would put on a yeah. fucking high flying clinic. And what did I do? I strapped him yeah. in tag team matches, red and Arcadia. I don't even know who the fuck Arcadia is anymore. Unfortunately, good worker. I don't know <laughs> no, what became worker, of him. Worker. I, I don't. I don't remember anything. Uh, I remember Red and, and Grim Reefer, which was a really good tag team. But yeah, I was about to. I was about to bring up Grim Reefer. Also, he was. He was good in in the uh, like the like cruiserweight type matches. Yeah, Sanjay Dutt, another one. Yeah, it, it, but it just felt like like I was stuffing Red somewhere to be fit in, but I never really had a plan for him, and that's unfortunate because I could have done so right. much more with Red. And, and Red would have been a great locker room leader working with the younger guys. He could have worked with guys like the Hall brothers, could have worked with guys like Thrilogy, could have worked yeah. with like so many yeah. other young talents out there because Red brought so much to the game. And, and he'll get them to that next level. Yeah, of course. I mean, look at him now. Absolutely. He's at the House of Glory Wrestling, which I think he recently sold, but that was out in Brooklyn or Queens, uh, the House of Glory Wrestling uh, uh, School. I'm not in sure. Queens. In Queens, okay. So I'm, I'm not sure what talent yeah. came out of there. 
But dude, if you're getting trained by the Amazing Red, you're getting trained well. There was so much that I could have done. I could have had better featured cruiser matches with him. I could have had him, like I said, as, as our Rey Mysterio, battling the big guy and being the underdog. Um, but, but like I said, it, it was just misused. And, and not because I didn't believe in his skill and talent. Uh, I just didn't know when he'd be there. I didn't know when we'd have him. I didn't know when, when he'd be able to come right, back. Right. So it, exactly. it was difficult for me to do that. Um, and also, I don't think I had direct contact with him for some reason. I think I was getting him through the SATs, um, which funny to bring them up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The SATs, man. Um, yeah, I, I've been in touch with them a little bit over the last couple of years, believe it or not. I heard they were making a comeback. Yeah, they're making a comeback now. The last time I saw them, I went uh, to their school in Brooklyn. Okay. This is maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago. And I mentioned a buddy of mine on the last podcast, Mike Verna, mm-hmm. uh, real name Mike Taverna from Brooklyn, from uh, Bergen Beach. Mm-hmm. He trained with the SATs. Okay. And now he's on AEW. So I used to go to, to um, their shows and their practices. And at the time, I had like a big-ass gray beard. And Joel says to me, oh, you got the Vince Russo look going there, brother. And, and nah. you know, we started talking. And he said, I'd like you to come, you know, work for us. I said, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. But nothing ever came out of it. Okay. But, uh, you know, we spoke a few times and I asked a couple of questions and, you know, certain confessions were made. Really? I, I would love to know. By, by any know, chance, did they happen to know what my uh, tag team titles are? <laughs> I believe they do. But Dude. I, they didn't flat out say it. But when I asked, I got I got a laugh and like kind of like like so anyway. You know, and uh, that kind of like, you know, squashed the conversation. <laughs> All right. So let's put it out there. I mean, we're, t- we're telling stories, right? I really like the SAT. All right. Yeah, and I was I, I was pre- prepared to invest a lot in them. Um, and I did. I made it my tag team champions. As a matter of fact, we did a show. In, we, we did a show in Dover, New Jersey. Um, at, at the, I believe it's called the Baker Ballroom. As a matter of fact, you ever seen the movie The Wrestler with um with Mickey Rourke? Yes, of course. Do you know the the final match yep. that he has where he dies in the ring and stuff like that? He's wrestling Ernest the Cat Miller. That's where we had that show. Yep, and we had a lot of our guys, by the way, in that movie. Yeah, I know, I know. Papa Don was in there. A couple of other guys, right? Papa Don, Paul Enormous was in there. Right, right. A couple of them. So in that building, we ran a show, and that is a predominantly, it's probably ninety percent Hispanic area. And I was like. You know we got to put the straps on them. We got to put the tag team titles on them. People are gonna exactly. go ape shit. Blow the roof that was the sucker. Yeah. Unfortunately, Billy did not do the right job of telling all money is legal. That was the night they would pass the titles on, but it was still a phenomenal match. Oh, we had been working. Match. We had been working with the SATs already, and as a matter of fact, they were part of Striker's faction right before he left. So because they already had right. that rub with striker and stuff like that not that they needed it because they were just tremendous on their own um they would they, they took that heat with them like oh we were with striker but now we're doing our other thing we're bad motherfuckers in here you know? and they became the tag team champions in becoming the tag right. team champions innovators. I, I wanted them to represent the belt in more hispanic areas so i said look now that striker right, is right. gone <clears throat> Um, and I had been building this up already from a previous show. Like the cherry on top was them winning the tag titles. But I said, well, I want to create a faction of just Latin right. guys so that when we go into these areas, we're going to build you guys up, put your faces on the posters, and people are going to come to see you because you represent the ethnicity of that community. 
So when I was in growing up community, in, right, right, right. When, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, um, I was on a baseball team called the Latin souls and we used to fuck up okay. these other baseball teams. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, just like the best of the best Latin souls, the baseball players, it was Little just lying, cheating and stealing. Dude, we, we were nuts. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. I, I loved that team, but I, I love that name. It's such a rich name, the Latin souls. So I said, great. We're going to create a yeah. faction called the Latin souls. It's going to be the SATs, Quiet awesome. Storm. Uh, somebody else was in there. We were eventually bringing in Mercedes Martinez. Um, and she was going to have like a, okay. a a love thing going on with, with Quiet Storm. Um, and somebody else was, was part of the faction. I can't remember if it was going to be Amazing Red or somebody else. Um, but long story short, right. I said the SATs were going to be like, like, like the leaders of, of that, that whole posse. And I remember... Um, on the show where we were really kicking it off, we were doing some kind of like cyberspace rumble or something like that. And I took a page out of the right. WWF um, 88 Royal Rumble where Axe and Smash came out or the 89 Rumble where Axe and Smash started, right. one and two. Right. And I said, I want to yep, do the same thing that. with you guys. <laughs> so we did it. And I was like, come on, man, you got to fucking like work each other and make it seem like you're trying to throw your brother over the top. And they kind of got it, but they didn't. So I was like, all right. I want you to be more impactful. I want you to engage more with the crowd. So that was back before there were cell phones. I mean, there were cell phones, but they weren't smartphones. I used to get the portable cameras and you'd have to roll up and you take pictures. And I I said, listen, I want you to go out there. And when you're tag team champions, you take pictures of yourself with the belts. You go out there, you take pictures with the fans. You just cocky cocky motherfuckers go in there and engage with the fans so that we, they want to take a before selfies were selfies, they're taking selfies with you, and right. you got the roll-up camera, and you're doing your shit. So we were doing a, a lot of things. That makes sense, man. That's a good idea. Dude, I was trying to build them up, and on the very last show that Firehawk was alive for, um, we had Ultimo Dragon on the card, and he wrestled Josh Daniels. In what I remember, was yes. In international yep. exhibition. Again, stole that yep. from Rocky Four, where it was Apollo and Drago doing the international exhibition. So, and like I always say, yes, yes, just just because you didn't have the title didn't mean I didn't have plans for you. So I was still using Josh in a prominent role. I didn't know that the SATs were tight with Ultimo Dragon. So I want to say on that show, I believe that yeah. they defended the titles against the Solution, and they came to me after the match. They were like, "Hey, listen, Ultimo Dragon says he wants us to do a tour of Mexico with him. We'd love to go to Mexico and represent." cyberspace as the champions is it okay if we take the belts home now remember we never let anybody take the belts home no no i used to take them home in the duffel bag right you had control of all the belts nobody could see because dude i don't know if i'm ever going to see you again hence the story so billy passes away while we're building up to the next show and i guess they figured that we didn't need the belts anymore meanwhile daisy was committed to doing more stuff so I call him up. I'm like, hey, guys, I need the belts. We ain't got the belts. Fuck you mean you don't have the belts? You said you want to take the belts to Mexico. No, no, no. We gave them back to Mexico. Billy. Right, right. Yeah, we, we handed them to Billy. Yeah. You know, as Billy. Billy has, as if Billy's dead. <laughs> so, well, if Billy was here, he could vouch for it. I'm like, yo, right. man, like, are you that much of a fucking mark? You got to go steal a belt? Well, I'll tell you right now, when I when I left the, when I left that night with the, with the titles, I went up to Billy and I said, I don't have the tag straps. Mm-hmm. And you know the SAT said that you know they're going to hold them. Do you know this? He goes, yeah, I, I know about it. Don't worry about it. I said, okay, because I don't want to be responsible. You know, I had the internet title, I had the uh, heavyweight title, whatever mm-hmm. else I had, all the merch, eight by tens, you name it, I had it. 
And I said, I don't want to be responsible for the tag straps because I don't have that in the bag. He goes, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm aware. I said, okay, as long as you know, that's all I care about. Cause I didn't want to be responsible for something that I didn't, you know, I didn't have. Right. Dude. And, and it, to me, it was just a, one is a slap in the face. It's not your belt. Of course. Right? It's insulting. Yeah. O- only a mark. And they, they have no reason to be marks. You're fucking the SATs, dude. You guys invented the Spanish they're the, five. They're the innovators, bro, of those high flying moves off the top, all the splashes, those 360s, guys, 480s, whatever the hell you want to call God. them. They, they did all that shit. Dude, they could fucking uh. work. So go out and win the belts like you won ours. Just give me my fucking belts back. No, nah, I don't have it. And if right. Billy were alive today, he could tell you that we gave yeah. it to him. I was fucking pissed, bro. Denial, 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 denial. I'm like, what am no, I supposed I to do? I don't blame you, man. I yeah. wasn't happy about it either. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? So I, I let it go. All the denials, a couple months later, they end up on some independent show. And there's photos of them, which is posted on one yeah. of these message boards. They're wearing the belts. and I don't know what the fuck they did, but they must have gotten some other kind of gold and tried to melt it on top of the CSWF logo they, that was on the belt. They tried to alter it, yeah. And, and do it. It yeah. just looked like somebody right, took right, silly right. putty yeah. and put it right on top of the CSWF logo. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, are you kidding me? While they were working for us, there was an incident where I believe Joel got held up. He, he got mugged and apparently he got stabbed. Yes, I remember that Okay, before the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had to come off the show, whatever the case was called me up he was like listen man i'm having a hard time over here i i was um i got held up i got stabbed i can't wrestle for a little while i'm hurt but i, I really was looking forward to that pay can i borrow a couple of hundred I'm like yeah dude of course no problem i said look here's what i'll do right. you're good to come back at a certain time i'll give you your pay whatever the case was um and then you just that night you just work on the arm because you i'm hitting you off in advance no no problem no problem like it right I go, I meet him wherever the fuck I meet him. I hand him some some cash. I'm like, hope things are getting better. Stay safe. Be careful. We, we want you back. I want you healthy. Is that the other thing? The first show he comes back, dodging me everywhere. Now, I'm not looking for my money because in my head, Billy's going to fucking just reimburse me for me giving them their money ahead of time. Right, exactly. So dodging you me. Down. You just have to get the money from Billy. Yeah, man. Dodge me the whole right, fucking show right. because they still collected their pay that night from Billy. And I'm like, Come on, man. Right. Just, they like, collected their pay and they like, didn't pay back the debt. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, look, if you need to, if you're hurting that much, I'll, dude, we build a rapport, right? I know you're hurt. I know something just, happened. Just come to me and be honest. Yeah. Just exactly. come to me. Just just tell me. If you're hurting, right. I, 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 I don't know if they had kids at the time or whatever the case was. I'm like, look, man to man, if you need something, always feel free to ask. I, I never said no. Yeah, I, without right. hesitation, what do you need? Where are you going to be? Where can I drop it off? We met. Gave them yeah, whatever. Just man up and be humble. To help about it, you. That's all. Had nothing yeah. to do with wrestling. Yeah. Had nothing to do with. Just had to do with. I believe in you. You work hard for me. And if you need something, don't ever be, hesitate to ask me for a little help, no matter what it is. All right. Don't don't feel like you have to swallow your pride. Come to me. That's what friends are for. Right. Right. Exactly. So I, I kind of got a little burned by that. But I let it go. Like whatever. Stealing the titles. Totally different story. Right. Then lying to me about stealing the titles. Like, come on, man. What the fuck. Like you're the SAT. Exactly. You've got championships all around the fucking world. You gotta go steal my belt so you can play wrestling where? And then you made them look like oh, shit. Like, are you fucking yeah. kidding? Come on, man. So I haven't spoken to them since all that went down. I refuse to work with them after that. Time has passed, but I gotta say, yeah. as much as I respect them, that trust has been broken. 
you, you can't rebuild that shit, especially if someone when someone steals something from a company and not even steals it first, they're asking to take it and they got the permission and then they're denying that they have it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's insulting your intelligence. Yeah. I mean, you know, so like you said, once that trust has been broken, you got to move on. And no matter how good of a team they are, if I started a business, to, you know, tomorrow and that happened to me, I wouldn't hire someone like that because that can happen again. Yeah. So, you know, why take that chance? There's somebody that I want to talk about because I know what we're talking, we were talking briefly about um, the rebuild of cyberspace after, or shockwave at that time after Billy had passed, but there was a guy who always brought his a game. And I mentioned before, when I was talking about smoke, a guy who pulled me over and says, Hey man, I got this idea. Do you think we can do something or what do you have for me? Or what can I contribute? And at the time, it was kind of weird because I didn't see what I can do with his character. And I'm talking about Damien Dragon. Disturbed Damien Dragon had a good look, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I wasn't sure how high I can take it. And exceptional in the ring, exceptional on the mic. Just He's the kind of guy that you want in your locker room because, again, we talk about trust. He's a guy you can trust. Um, two other guys, two other guys were Dan Barry and Ken Scampi and Ken Scampi. Yep. I used them as much as I could, but I used them for comedy because I didn't know what else to do to them because of their size. I was blinded that way. Dan Barry felt like a string bean in tights. I was like, what do I do? Ken Scampi had a little <laughs> more of a bill, but he was about the same bill. I was like, ah, what do I do? I think the You're best thing, short, right. The best thing I got out of Scampi was, um, we had a match and I didn't know that Billy had booked shark boy. And I was like, oh, Shark Boy's on the show. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm flying him in. I was like, oh, it would be great if we had uh, uh, the fisherman, Ken Scampi, going against the shark. We could do like a whole little Jaws thing. <laughs> that was like... Shark Boy, yeah. Heard... Right. That was like yeah, yeah. the most creative thing I could think of at the time. But then they came to me and they're like, hey, man, we're a good tag team. We're team tremendous. Now, the funny thing is that back in the locker room, apparently these guys got two of the hugest cocks you've ever seen. I didn't know that until Billy pointed it out. Because Ken Scampi... And Dan Barry, I, I'm afraid to ask how Billy knew that, but keep going. Yeah, I don't know either. He goes, look at their tights. And dude, you can see their shit just rolled into their foot fu- like a fucking tube sock just rolled up. Now, now, I'm not looking at dicks. Remind Billy pointed this out, but everybody, <laughs> I don't follow the indies. Right, right, right. And the joke in the locker room was these two and their fucking swords. So I was like, well, why don't we play on that? If everybody knows the joke and they're in on the joke, let's continue the joke. So, unfortunately, Dan Barry and Ken Scampi ended up becoming the comedy routine, the Abbott and Costello of cyberspace. Yes, yes. I remember they, they were the comedy team. But I'll be honest, up to this point, I thought they were called Team Tremendous as a joke because they were both little. <laughs> I thought it was just I thought it was fucking word association. Never Dude, in my wildest dreams would I think that they, it was because of what you just said. Dude, it's but, fucking okay. hysterical. So, apparently, they <laughs> both had a relationship with Tara Charisma. Or... They were also a tag team when they weren't in the ring, if you know what I mean. And they said it in front of her and she was like, <laughs> didn't deny it. I'm like, we can use that right, in right. some way. Thinking about like the attitude error and then the perversion and shit. Like I was like, all right, we'll use that. Um, right, right, right. I, I wish I had better stuff that I could have done with them. When I put them in as a team, I really saw they had potential. And I said, when, when we rebuild cyberspace or when, when we rebuild shockwave, I want to use that. Forget the jokes. Let's get the jokes out of the way. Let's focus on what they really bring to the table. Let, let's have them blame each other for being a comedy act for so long that they end up splitting right, up. Make them serious. 
yeah. and make them serious. Like, dude, I, I never got a push because I'm too busy fucking around with you and doing this and doing that. Right. So the, the message boards had a problem picking on a lot of the women in the business. And if you're a married man bringing your wife into the business right away, there's a speculation that your wife is fucking around behind your back in the locker room with all the other boys while you're in the ring. Unfortunately, that's what they were doing with Damian Dragon. And I was like, hey, there's so much more that we can be doing with these guys. And why are you tarnishing? Why are you fucking impacting somebody's relationship, somebody's marriage? She's a valet. We're talking about Foxy Foxy, who's got tremendous skill, who should have been an actress. Fuck the pro wrestling business. She should have been an actress. Because she brings that emotion. She knows how to tell a story. She has it in her. Damien, the same thing. But just to see these fucking scumbags out there trying to throw yeah. a wedge into their marriage and make them the butt of the joke everywhere else. Yeah. I talked to Damien about that briefly. I was like, hey, man, like, it's not cool. He goes, don't worry about it. Make it a fucking storyline. He was like, if you can't beat them, fucking join them. I'm like, dude, but that's your fair. He goes, we know what we got. We're tight. We're good. Fuck all them. We're out here working with doing what we love. Let them say what they want. Let them think what they want. We know what we got when we go home. Dude, and I respected that so fucking much from both of them. That led up to that match. Exactly. I remember the match when he got handcuffed to the ropes. Yeah, I remember So Damien gave me the print. He says, let's use it in a storyline. But I had a concept that to make it a big swerve. Again, looking at Damien, Disturbed Damien Dragon, Mm -hmm. I didn't get the character. I get it. He's out there, but it's like, all right, I'm trying to get the look, trying to figure out who I can pair him with, so on and so forth. Do I make him like Raven's flock and get people following him? They're all emo and shit like that. I was like, eh, been done, but how far do you take that fashion? Yeah, yeah. How much real estate on the card? Right. How far gonna is it going to go? Yeah. So I was like, fuck. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. said, okay, considering that Foxy Foxy can act her ass off, what if we made Damien the underdog of the organization where his wife has betrayed him? And she's going off managing all these people. And we drag that out for maybe a year, even a year and a half, 18 months. And we find out that the swerve was in, that she was just going in, rubbing elbows with guys that she wanted him to be so he, she can help him climb the ladder of success. And then that's when the disturbedness comes out. Because it's just like he was the devil in disguise the whole time. He sent it. think Think of Kevin Sullivan and woman. He sent his wife out there to do all this dirty work. And, oh, no, no. Not that Kevin Sullivan did this, but the idea I had was I'm going to send Foxy out there to do all this shit, rub shoulder, and, and get me a spot here and get me a match with a champion and get me here. And then when I finally get to right. that main event level and she's in the, the champion's corner, she's going to help me fuck that guy for the title or, or start right. something and up then there. Pull, pull the rug out from under him. Right, right. I, I'm thinking the usual suspects. Like you remember the saying, um, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. I wanted Damien right, right. Dragon, the Kaiser Soze, the crowd that you're like cheering for this underdog. I can't believe your wife did that to you. Oh, now she's with this guy and she's gonna fuck you again. Oh, come right. on, Damien, you got it, you got it, you got it. No, no, no. She was just paving the way. Right, right, right. Yeah, she was paving the way yep. to get him to the top, and then they get together. It was, like, it was all the work. Right, you <laughs> stupid motherfuckers. We had you the whole time. And I, I do the whole that, time, yep, dude. Yep. And, and and for us to yeah. start off with him getting crucified and handcuffed and beaten with the kendo stick, and he says, "Look, I went through yeah. hell, but the who who enjoys the flames more than the devil himself?" <laughs> like, oh shit, that's fucking deep. And then he goes, right. he's disturbed, yeah. dude. I had yeah. so much because that guy, man, you put him in the fucking ring. We had him do a, a, a bit with Rodney Mack. We had him in the ring with Sanjay Dutt. Like I said, he can bring it. 
It's just that the character, unless you got more people that assimilate to that, puts us in a weird position. Yeah. So we had to strip him of everything and rebuild him again. But right. dude, oh, it would have been fucking I knew it for years before cyberspace. Yeah. You know, because I was already uh, wrestling for Johnny at Gleason's. Mm -hmm. And one day this guy comes in with kind of like curly long hair with a, with a backpack and enter it was Damien Dragon. You know, I was already working for Johnny. I met him. He had the training. And then we lost touch with each other. And then when he started wrestling for cyberspace, I said, you probably don't remember me. And he's looking at me. He's like, wait, I do remember you. And we just started bullshitting. And to this day, we keep in touch on Facebook now. That's you good. Know, great yeah, guy. so do I. Yeah. Good guy, beautiful family. And you know what the funny thing is? I had these, yep. these, these ideas of raising him up to a main event level where people wouldn't have expected it, but they would have followed the story. And even if he didn't become champion, the swerve was right. in. Right, because we could have built him up to become oh, yeah. this monster heel, and even though he didn't win the, think of Ted DiBiase. He was always that threat. He was the devil lurking in the shadows, and then he had his mistress. I mean, think of of, of uh, what Marvel's trying to do now with Memphisto and and Agnes Hark uh, Harkness, whatever her name was. Like it was her all the time. It was her all the time. That's right, exactly right. what I want to try to do. Fifteen years ago. Um, it was me all along. Right, it was her all along. Right. So I'm thinking that's exactly what what I was planning for for Damien. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, cyberspace ends up, or shockwave ends up folding, and it's no more. We can't continue the story. Never had a chance to get it going. Yeah. But dude, he kept blowing up, and his retirement match was winning. The uh, was is it the Super Eight Cup the, for Jim Kettner? I mean, dude, he got to a main event yeah. level. He fucking made it. So everything that I envisioned for yeah. him, he ended up doing on his own anyway. So shout out to Damian Dragon. He ended up, yeah, he ended up doing it. Yeah, yep. dude. And dude, Foxy Foxy's got a book coming out soon. Uh, Veronica Vargas, shout out to you. I know you got your book. I definitely want to talk about that. She's going to be talking about her life in wrestling. Recently on Instagram, she had posted a picture of Beulah McGillicuddy. Should be a good read. From ECW. She's like, if there was no Beulah, mm -hmm. there'd be no Foxy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of that story because I'm thinking about the potential. Sounds like a good read, man. I'm that, looking that forward I had to for it. those guys. I know we've been doing this for a while, but there are yeah. two people. And there's so many more people that I want to talk about, but there are two people in particular that we haven't even touched on yet. And uh, I want to save them for the end because they are main inventors in my book. We definitely have to talk about uh, Slick Wagner Brown and April Hunter. Oh, yes. SWB baby, saving them for yeah, the he end. He's cool now, with me, man. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Let, let's let's start out with Slick Wagner Brown, and and again, I, I this is one of those times where I got to admit the fuck ups, and I did not book Slick correctly. It wasn't all my fault. Um, I was told to put him in certain scenarios. Let me run it down for you. When I first yeah. got there. Um, Slick was was on his way moving to the main event, and Billy had envisioned a match between Slick Wagner Brown and Our Truth, Ron Killings. Um, right. Truth was a champion, and I, I'm pretty sure that it was booked in, penciled in for Slick to defeat him for the title. As you know, the match that I think was supposed to happen, um, Truth didn't make it. We stripped him of the title, and ended up becoming Chris Canyon against Slick Wagner Brown for the vacated title. We crown Slick the champion. That also opens the doors for DDP to come in and feud with Chris uh, in that right. retirement match. But that's a June show. August had already been booked because Billy was building to that to that uh, War Games match, CSWF versus TNA in a War Games type match. Slick won the championship, so obviously on that match he doesn't become he doesn't get a chance to defend the title, but he ends right. up becoming the leader of the CSWF team. Okay, makes sense. The next show after that, though, 
not sure why why Billy wanted this, but he wanted a mixed tag match between April Hunter and Slick Wagner Brown oh, against goodness. Michael Shane and Tracy Brooks. I'm like, why? Tracy Brooks, right, right. I'm like, why are we doing that? He goes, oh, well, because, you know, Tracy and April are going to feud, and then we can build up Michael uh, Shane or Matt Bentley, whatever he's called at the time, and feud with Slick. I was like, okay, but nothing happened with them before that for them to right. be in this. How do we get to this part with them right. as a mixed tag team? How do we like, get here? prior to that? You need like, to build. So I, I did it right. again later on with Roddy Mack and Jazz, but that was the blow-off match. I don't understand how you start with with a mixed tag match. Don't, you, you get there. You don't start right. with that. Exactly. Right. I was like, exactly. what's, what's the purpose? Why, why are they the main event of this show? What's the history? What led up to this? Oh, just book it. It's awesome. How do we? Yeah. All right, Billy. No problem. Yeah. Makes zero sense. So again, zero sense. <laughs> he won the title in June. August, he doesn't defend it. October, he doesn't defend it. So he really doesn't have his first right. uh, title match, his first title defense until whatever the show was after that. I might want to say it was a three-way match between Slick Wagner Brown against Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. I could be wrong. I would have to go back and take a look at the notes. Bottom line was... Yeah, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to go to my library to take a look. It, it was poorly booked. But on whatever card that was, yeah. that Slick was defending, his, his, making his first title defense... That was when Luger went MIA and Vince Russo pulled right. out, out of being a performer. So now here I lose Luger, I lose Russo. I call Russo. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I'm having a little trouble here. Lex went MIA and now you're gone. Yeah. He goes, well, I can still come what and make an do? appearance. I'll come and sign my book, Forgiven, but I, I just don't want to do anything in the ring. I'm done with that. I was like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, I still I he came back for that. Yeah. Right. I was like, all right, fair enough. But I, I still. I still don't have Lex. I was like, doesn't help who, me. Yeah. Who, in, who in TNA can you get me at a good price? And he goes, you want Jeff? It's like, do I want Jeff? Of course I fucking want. Yeah. Hook me up with Jeff. Gives me Jeff's number. Call Jeff. We yeah, work it out. Much? Jeff comes in. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking Jeff was a one shot deal. I'm like, okay, so Jeff, would it be okay? Jeff was the NWA champion at that time. Or that's the title that uh, TNA was using. Jeff, would it be okay right, if, right. We, if we advertised a match because it was supposed to be R-Truth or Ron Killings against Lex Luger, and I know he's a former NWA champion in on TV, would you be okay defending the title right. and announce it as, as an official NWA title match at Cyberspace? He goes, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Boom. Fucking fantastic. Talking to Jeff, yeah. night of the show, I'm like, Jeff, you see what we're doing here? You see the kind of name? You see all the TNA guys are bringing? You own TNA. I want to do right by you. Here's the here's the vision that we had of maybe becoming a farm system. We book at least 10 of your guys every other month. So we'd love to have you back. He goes, yeah, absolutely. He goes, I'm always available. Call me anytime you want. Literally said, if Vinny Rue vouches for you, count me in. I was like, fuck, that's all I needed. He right. just co-signed on vouches, it. that means you're in. Exactly. Co-signed for me. So I tell Jeff I want him for the April show. April show. He's still the NWA champion. Versus the CSWF champion. I had to do that match immediately mm -hmm. because I didn't know how long Jeff was going to have that title for. So if he ends right. up dropping it to AJ Styles, ends up dropping it to Samoa Joe, whoever the Kurt Angle, whoever the case is. You can't do it title for title. I can't right, do right, title right. for title. There's almost like when when, right. when, um, when Bob Backlund would wrestle Harley Race or something like that. I was trying to rebuild one of those things. Yeah. Have a feature attraction. I remember that. Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, because Jeff yeah. had already given me his commitment, I was like, I got to put our title on Jeff. 
That way it keeps him with us. Right. And, and and whoever holds <laughs> that title later says, this title was worn by Jeff Jarrett. Not that Jeff is the biggest name, but he's the biggest name that we've had in fucking New Jersey. Biggest name that, that you know, compared but, but to... But he's, he's still a name, yeah. Right, exactly. he's still a name. He's a current guy who's currently... <clears throat> that, 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 that gives that... Gives that that gives it legitimacy. It gives yeah. it strength. That's fucking Viagra to my title. Like Jeff Jarrett is the champion of CSWF. Exactly. And it's like, what the fuck? I mean, every every news outlet is going to mm-hmm. news outlet, but every uh the, the PW insiders, the, the Meltzers, the one they're all like, gonna pick up that story. Indies, yeah, I mean that's right. yeah. Because Jeff wasn't doing Definitely. indies at the time. I was the only independent promotion Jeff was working for. Jeff realized he could make good money, started doing other ones after cyberspace. That I said, fuck it, <laughs> I'm gonna put the title on him. <clears throat> Slick wasn't happy yeah. with it. I can't blame Slick. Slick never had a real right. championship title defense. He had maybe two or three, whatever the case was, but he was mostly stuck in tag matches. He teamed up with uh, Matt yeah, Bentley. He didn't have like a real run. He didn't have a run a at all, yeah. and it sucked. And day of the <clears throat> show, I want to say that the show is called Retribution. Slick is with Boo Boo Face in the stands, and he goes, hey, man, um, Billy just told me that I'm dropping the belt. I don't even think Billy told me. He probably just read it off the sheet. He goes, I was really thinking right. maybe I could, I, I really wanted to hold his belt and do like a Rob Van Dam kind of thing. Like where Rob Van Dam held the belt for like 400 right, days, right, whatever right. the case was. And I said, Slick. Yeah, had like a nice long run. Yeah. yeah. I said, Slick, understand this. This has nothing at all to do with you. This has to do with us elevating the company so that when you become it's champion again, happen. it means that much more. Mm-hmm. Remember, you beat Chris Canyon because the title was vacant. Billy really puts you in a couple of shitty matches after the War Games match and a mixed tag match. Do people right. even remember you winning the championship? How many people were in the audience when it happened? Look at the size of the crowds that we're getting now. Look who's holding the belt. So when you get that belt back, you're recapturing it. You're regaining it. It's, and it's going to mean something. And it's great. It's going to mean so much more. And there's going to be so many people there to celebrate for you. Please understand that I've got things planned out for you. Trust me on this. Oh, uh, but man, I really want to do that RVD thing. I was like, fuck. It's like slick. I don't Listen. understand how they don't get it. It, it. it makes so much sense on paper that you drop it for, you know, X amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back to win it, it's going to mean that much more. Right. What is the part they don't get? Jeff won't drop the belt to anybody local. Oh, he only dropped it to another TNA guy. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I was like, all right. I've made by that time I've already made good relationships with the TNA talent. So I'm like, who can I go to that be willing to hold the belt as a transitional champion and then drop it to Slick? Chris Harris. Right. We'll talk about what right. happened in that right. show at another time. Obviously, it never fucking happened. Yeah. Wildcat Chris Harris right. was penciled in to beat Jeff Jarrett, and then Slick would have ended up beating um Wildcat. Anyway, long story short, Slick was just deflated. Because it's yeah, I, I don't I don't want to say like we didn't have a spot for him because if you think about it, the way he dropped the title was Rodney Mack went in, interfered in the match. Now you're not chasing the title because you want to get vengeance on Rodney Mack first. So now you're in a high profile match. Now you're out of the title picture. You're yeah. out of the title picture, but you're still semi-main right. event with Rodney Mack and Jazz, which brings your girl back yeah, into it too. Right. You're still wrestling a big name. Right. Yeah. So we haven't exactly. forgotten about you. You didn't just disappear. We're just building. You're going to run this feud for a little while while Jeff does his thing. Then when we come back and circle around, you'll be you've blown off with Rodney Mack. Jeff mm-hmm. has dropped the title. You earn a shot at Harris. You'll get the belt back with good money. 
Which I might, if I may say, mm-hmm. the rivalry with Slick Wagner Brown and Rodney Mack, my opinion, mm-hmm. was one of the coolest rivalries cyberspace has. <laughs> they did that outdoor shit. They did stuff indoors. Uh, you know, they they hijacked my car. <laughs> I mean, the show they put on, the matches, I thought were solid and they were great. Yeah. That was a good rivalry. Yeah, this this too- you know, and you gave an opportunity for jazz to get involved and also for smoke to get involved. Man, it, it was tremendous because Rodney Mack love him and love jazz to death. Still in contact with yeah. them. Um, and, and, and they are, I, I always told them, if I ever have a ring, you've got a home, you got a place to wrestle. Unfortunately, I haven't had a ring oh, no doubt. <laughs> for a long time, no doubt. but I mean, forget wrestling because you know what they bring. I don't have to put them over and tell you how great Rodney Mack and jazz are, but the quality of people right. that they are love them to death. Right. Chef's kiss. Good right? people, man. Great, people. great people and, and reasonable yeah. and humble and understood. What, what, what I hated about um, the stuff that I did with Rodney, though, was that most fans only remembered him from his WWE run. And Rodney right. is such a better wrestler than we. Oh, we so much out. better than that. Yeah. He never so got to live better. his fool's potential in WWE. Of course. So because he was doing like the white boy challenge, I figured that I, I didn't want Rodney to come in. Yeah. And people were like, who's that guy? WWE. I don't remember him. So I was like, all right, I can't do the white boy challenge, but I'll do this thing where it's like black power. You know, you put them together with the smoke. Right. Smoke created the name Black Rain. What do we do? The first person we feud with is the heavyweight champion because he's black, but he's hitched to a white girl. Right. Let's make it again, not to make it about race. Right. Right. Let's right. make it about race. So we're like, you're a fucking but sellout. It, you're but an it Uncle Tom. To the puzzle fit though. Right. Why? Yeah. Why are you with this white bitch over here? Where you look? And yeah, we're gonna build that shit up. And there was gonna be a great right. storyline because. When Slick was going to win the title back, he was going to win it back as a heel. And right. nobody knew that. And I and Slick said, oh, we love a run as heel. I said, I'll get you a heel run, but here's how we're going to an interesting uh, heel turn, you know? Yeah, he was he was going to beat Chris Harris as part of Black Rain. Um, the right. problem that we had was, is that at the time, Rodney and Jazz lived in Louisiana. And there was usually one flight in, one flight out to Jersey. And if you missed that flight or there's bad weather, yeah, travel, gets canceled. Travel should fly with them. Yeah. So we had an event where we were supposed to be, dude, it was supposed to be a huge match between Rodney and, um, and slick. I can't remember if that, yeah. Yeah. So it was me, Rodney's. This is the one where we had to put Maven in the spot. Maven it, had to come in. Yeah. Right. It was a, we were going to do a police brutality match at the Wayne PAL. <laughs> I remember. Yes. yes. I wasn't I thinking the same way. Well, my friend, this asshole brings a Molotov yeah. cocktail, uh, <clears throat> spot into a church. We're going to do a police brutality match at a police athletic league. So, but dude, it was going to be, let's just keep raising the bar, man. Dude, they were going to be wearing uh bulletproof vests and have uh yep. nightsticks and handcuffs and, and all and mace and all this other shit and a taser. Dude, that match was going to be bananas, fucking crazy. And we never got to do yeah. it because yep. Rodney missed his flight. Chance. Um, but the match that we did do, it was a hardcore match. I, th- I think that was a false count anywhere as well. Slick and Rodney. Uh, it's Cyber yeah. K2, and we ended up having them take it on outside. And I had them yes. right before the main event, and I'm telling everybody, go outside because there was a big oh shit, there was a big baseball field. Everybody in the PA, everybody <laughs> in the PAL ran outside like a fucking shot. Dude. You got the camera crew, you got the fans. Yeah. I'm out there, like it's just like a free for all in, in the baseball field. I'll never was, forget it. it I, was I remember insane. writing the show. And I was like, fuck, the last thing, I don't want to have a second intermission on the show. 
to put up the steel cage for the main event. And I can't do the steel cage. The outside match was the intermission. Right. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, how do I do this without without taking 15 minutes yeah. to do the, the, what do you call it? Because even if I you did the main the cage. If I, if I set up the cage during the original intermission, I needed time to bring the cage down to do the rest of the show. So I was like, fuck. All right. So I'll book Rodney right. and Slick and they'll take it outside into the baseball field and they'll fight in the field and in the parking lot. And I'll get everybody, the everybody comes back in. It'll be set up. Right. And when I come back in, the yeah. steel cage is already up. We're ready for the main event. Like, what the fuck happened? Uh, funny thing was, like you said, they used your car for that spot because we did it. That's a actually run. brilliant. Yeah. My 97 Firebird, man. I'll never forget it. Uh-huh. They grab me, they give me like a powder puff on the head, throw me in the back seat. My feet are sticking up. Jazz is in there with Rodney Mack, and you hear the loud idiots, they kidnapped Todd. What happened? And they're all screaming. I'll never forget it, man. We had to do rehearsals before before the show, and I'm telling Rodney and, and Slick what the finish is. And the finish was going to be that Slick is beating the shit out of Rodney. It looks like he's got him beat. And then here comes the the, the car being driven by smoke and jazz jazz is gonna be in the passenger seat smokes driving yeah. and i took a page out of the movie midnight run where you know when they right. drive they open the car door and they hit the dude with the car door and knock the him the fuck out. <laughs> so then yeah, slick's yeah, like yeah. i don't want to take that bump what if they run me over i don't want to take that bump so i said Fucking yeah. i said i want to take the bump right now i take the bump you're taking the right. fucking bump so we had so i'm getting ready to take the bump to show him how exactly i want to do it and to tell smoke how to open the door and smoke can't drive that well. So, so smoke is like, yeah, and I'm telling uh-uh, smoke, please uh-uh. don't fuck up my car. Please don't fuck <laughs> Yo, up my car. I'm telling smoke him. is like, stop and go. Stop Jesus. and go. I'm like, smoke, I don't know what's worse. You're wrestling or you're fucking driving. What's wrong with you? So- oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> of all cars, my, my Firebird at the time was fucking minted out. And I got this big dude ba- barely in the car. And he's trying to drive and he's hopping the car. It's not even a stick shift, dude. It's an automatic. And the fucking car is hopping. Gas break, gas break, yeah, gas man. break. And I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, he's either going to get me sick or I'm going to get sick over the fact that he's going to destroy my car. And, uh, you know, thank God everything worked out. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. Dude, that was, forget it, it. it was classic. Man. Those were some really, yeah. really good times. But it's like I always said, and I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, man. Just because I take the title off you doesn't mean that I don't have plans. And I think Slick did so doesn't much better work something with you. without right. the belt. Um, Absolutely. And, and the same thing with April. Let me just say, April Hunter does not get the credit she deserves in the business. Um, I yeah, think it's because of, of her perception that because she's a Playboy model, and because, you know, she uses her looks and stuff like that. Like, oh, that's all you're good for. No, she can fucking work. She goes in there. She kicks ass. No, no, she had a lot of talent. Very good. Very good wrestler. Yeah. She's willing to give so much of herself that we were planning on doing the first ever female steel well, in cyberspace, at least first ever female steel cage. And she says, look, you put me right. in, in the cage with jazz. I'll juice for you. I'm like, whoa, whoa wow. slow down. It's, it's, it's very it's- it's very rare you see like women bleed, so that would have been right. in, like a you know a big spot. And yeah. April is gorgeous. She makes her money off of her looks. That's what she does. Yeah, grant. I mean, wrestling pays, but it don't pay that fucking good. She's got more of a business right. based on her looks. So the fact that she was willing to gig herself to get a little color in a match with Jazz, where she was going to retain her, regain her title, I was like, fuck, man, you would do that? She yeah. Goes, yeah, I'll do that. Put me in a cage with Jazz. Love her to death. Well, that's someone that's someone dedicated to their craft. I mean, you know, she's willing to go an extra mile to yeah. put the work in. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we had an incident with with April that, and and here I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, and I love April. 
I, you know, I still communicate with her. Um, she recently had a ruptured breast implant and I was constantly donating to the foundation to save the booby and shit like that. Um, she, she's a really, right, right, right. really good person. Um, but unfortunately, her and Slick were a couple. They were a relationship. And when you come yeah, as right. a pair... They're a real-life couple. When, when you're a real-life couple and you come as a pair and shit goes sideways and you're not together anymore, now that impacts the product. It impacts the goals that we have. The business. Do. Yeah. Right. Um, and what was worse about that was they were two of our top stars. Two of our... two. I mean, yeah. every poster we had, there was always Slick Wagner Brown and... And April Hunter um, prominently featured. Yeah, on no, I remember, man. I remember. Yeah, it was and, rough. And the, the sad thing was we had a, a show coming. Around. I want to say it was Super Brawl Saturday 4. And since the blow off with Slick and Rodney had already happened, he was like, look, I, can you just put me in some featured matches? We were supposed to do the thing, thing with Maven. Maven never called anybody back. Couldn't get Maven back. So I was like, well, give me a list of people that you want to wrestle. So that way, when you become champion again, you already go down a list of all these people that you've worked with. He goes, I would love to work AJ. I was like, I would love right. to get AJ. I can't get him. He goes, what about Kazarian? Yeah, in a perfect world. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Kazarian? Kazarian's a great idea. Let, let's let's book that match. Yeah. Slick Wagner Brown against Frank Kazarian? Let's book <clears> it. Have the match set up. Yeah. April was involved in, uh, I want to say, uh, a, a six-man uh, six tag, six-girl tag. About a week before the event, Slick calls me. Yeah. And he's like, hey, it's over between me and April. Shit's getting nasty. Can't fucking be around her. Can't shit in the locker room with her. You got to kick her off the show. It's like, right. ooh, slow down. Slow down, man. Talk to me. Let me know what's going on. I'm not the booker. I'm your friend. Tell me what's going on, but you know I got to right. hear her side too. I just can't go fire somebody from the organization. She hasn't done anything to the organization. This is between you two. You right. two got to handle this shit. But I, I need to know what's going right. on. So he goes, ah, I can't, I, I can't talk about this. And he hangs up the phone. Click. It's like, what the fuck? Not even two minutes later. Right now, you... bro. Not even two minutes later, April calls me, in fucking right. tears. You got to get Slick off the show. He's going to fucking murder me. He's going to do this. He's, he beat me up. And, and, and he said he was going to cut my tits off. And he said he was going to do this. He, 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 I can't be in the locker room with him. I'm like, slow the fuck down. I just got off the phone with Slick. What are you talking about? I need to right. hear the story. Tell me what's going on. I don't want to put their personal business out there, but it's already been documented. Okay? Right, right, right. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I don't know who was telling the truth. And who wasn't? For all I know, they were both telling the truth. Love right. them. They're, they're great people. I feel for them. I'm doing what I can to help as a friend. But as a businessman. Because yeah, now you're caught in the middle as a friend and a booker. Right. You can't, you're not going to be able to please both of them. I got to figure right. out what I'm doing for the show. And apparently. Yeah, that's your again, concern, the show. I might yeah. have this a little mixed up, but I'm pretty sure I don't. I think they were on splits for a while. And then she just sort of sees somebody else. I think his name was J.D. Michaels. Or J.D. Like Michaels. That. All right. Yeah. So she he started was a seeing... copy of Shawn Michaels. Same tattoo and everything. That guy. Right. So started seeing that dude. Shit went down with her and Slick. Mm -hmm. Got bad. Okay. I don't know about the physical allegations. I don't know what really happened. I don't know about the threats. I can't confirm or deny any of that. Yeah. I'm worried about the show. I have April in a match. I have Slick Exactly. That's that's your concern, the show. Right, right. But outside of a match, I got a locker room. 
And if these two are going to go fucking crazy in the locker room, they got to share a locker room. If they can't be civil, if they're going to endanger each other or endanger yeah. other talents, you can't have you that. Can't have that. No. Now they're both already calling me, tell me to fire the other. Can't right. do that. I can't take one side over another. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Now I don't want to be your fucking mediator, but in order to see who I right. got to work with or, or, or who's going to be, be welcome back. That's what I got to do. So I'm talking to them back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I'm, I'm, I'm poised to make a tough decision. Who's more valuable to me? Slick or April? We've already had the conversation. Right. A lot of people think that women's wrestling is cheap. It's, it's, it's cheap as a product. I personally don't believe that. I personally see a ton of value in April. Right. But if I had to choose gun to my head, choose between the two, the value is in Slick because he's the male. It's a male dominant sport. I could book him in higher profile main event matches. I wasn't having females main event right. shows. Right. So even if it was reluctantly, I would have to put all my chips and bet it on Slick rather than April. Had nothing right. to do with ma- well, it kind of did have something to do with male female as far as promoting goes, but it had nothing to do with me how I felt about them as two individuals. But at the time there was more opportunity to book slick in different matches, whether title matches or mid-card, then April. April would, would have been limited at the time because we didn't have a lot of women's matches on the card. Right. Slick could have gone into different, you know, angles and different scenarios. So there's more, you know, more opportunity having slick on the card to book, unfortunately, nothing against April. Right. But having slick, you have more, you know, more choices. I had slick booked against Frankie Gazarian. Big match, high profile. He asked for yeah. me, kind of petitioned for it. She was in a throwaway match. Hate to say it, but that's what it was. It was a six woman tag. They want to say it was a uh, jazz ODB. Somebody else against uh, Tracy. Talia, and I guess we put uh, Ariel to fill in the spot. So we, oh, I'm right, sorry, Cindy right. Rogers was on the other side too. Okay. Right. She's the so other heel. We, we had all our, our girls, our big names, girls that we were building around in one match. So that way we didn't have to have multiple matches on the card. And, and eventually, you know how they pair up matches. Like, okay, well, the three of them have problems with three of them, and then they can all break off in singles matches. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, if I take April off the show, it makes things easier because people want to see that match with Kazarian and Slick. Now, in April's defense, thinking about her, I'm like, it's not fair, though. What if she is a victim? What if she has been abused? What if she's telling the truth and Slick is a threat? Can't take that chance either. And whatever's good for her, it's got to be good for him and vice versa. So if April's off the show, Slick's off the show, too. Regardless of what I do in the future. I mean, later in the future, I guess... I time being, you got to get rid of both. Later on, I can alternate yeah. shows and have April on one, keep Slick off, have Slick on one, keep April off. But on this show where you were both booked, the best bet to right. keep the locker room safe and to be fair but to for the now, two of them. For the time being. Right. right. And to be fair to them, to let them sort exactly. their shit out, take them both off the show. That way you can't say, you chose him over me, you chose her over me, you believe him, you believe her. Listen, I believe you both. I'm there with you both. No, instead get of that, shit. BS, you're both off the show. Right. Slick understood took it like a champ i understand it sucks i said look i'll try to get you gazarian again don't worry about it sort your shit out april on the other hand different story yeah april was pissed came to the show with jd michaels sat in the bleachers right had the girls pointing hey april hey uh, 
she's over there. She's over there. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had to put out a press release saying that due to unfortunate personal circumstances that are going on right now, we're going to have to remove um, April and really make the show, show. Yeah. and find replacements for them. <clears throat> um, we ended up putting, like I said, Ariel substituted for April and Jay Lethal again substitutes for Slick Wagner Brown, which ended up becoming a fantastic match. Meanwhile, she's sitting in the fucking bleachers. She's sitting in the fucking bleachers with the new boyfriend. Like, if Slick would have done that, or Slick would have come to the show and seen that shit, all hell would have broke out. Forget the locker room. We're talking about the stands now. Fans, paying customers, children. Can't have that shit. I can't have domestic violence or domestic altercations on a family show. You can't have innocent people getting compromised, being injured, getting hurt, or just watching that shit unfold. You, You can't have that. She's pissed off because, well, now I'm out of a payday, so you need to pay me anyway. I'm like, sorry, April. I don't handle the money, first of all. And second of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't co-sign that because you don't get paid if you don't work, okay? Handle your shit, and you have paydays in the future. Oh, my God. Card subject to change. Right. And, and, and Billy ended up paying yeah. her. Billy paid her anyway. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, Billy, who's running nah, the show here? I would definitely have a problem with that. And, and I'm not exactly. saying I'm running the show and you should do what I say. I'm just saying, but you're setting the standard now that anybody can still get a payday from you. And I know Billy paid Whether them Whether they higher, work or not. Right. He paid them yeah. a higher price because he believed in them and he wanted them in interviews to say the cyberspace was their home organization, which I've never heard from either one of them or anybody else on the card for that right. matter. So nobody ever calls cyberspace their home. Um, but he was trying to buy their loyalty. But by doing that, now you're setting a precedent to the rest of the locker room that if shit goes I mean, down, I can still come to you and still get paid regardless. It's not how yeah, what, what kind of message are you what kind of message are you sending there? I mean, it's it's the wrong message. And then on top of it, okay, I understand. You want you want your spot, you, you came to the show, you don't bring your fucking boyfriend. That's probably the reason why you and him are having domestic issues anyway. Broke up to begin with. Right. Right. Yeah. He come over here. You said he beat that's you just up. Adding, you he was that's adding cut. fuel to the fire, bro. Right. So you come with the fucking boyfriend. I'm like, come on. So Again, yeah. love April Hunter to death. That was unprofessional. Yes. And and if it, yeah, it was me, a bad call. She took it out on me. And I'm like, listen, it's not like I like I singled you out. I was like, oh fuck April Hunter, we're going with slick all the way. Go with slick, go with slick. I I, I treated it evenly. I did the same thing. Equally. I hope right, right. It's, it's 15 years, and again, I'm not bringing up trying to open old wounds. It is what it is. Yeah. It's what happened. Damn if you do, damn if you don't, bro. Yeah. Yeah, people saw it. It got reported. I was, aside from April mm-hmm. being pissed off at her, I was pissed off the talent in the ring, fucking pointing her out and waving her. Hey, April. Hey, we got your spot. Hey, you should be in here. Hey. Like, what the fuck? Are you kidding yeah. me? And, and on top of everything, that's taking away from the match that's currently going on. Right. It's a, so, it's a distraction. How do you explain you know? that on the DVD now? What are they pointing at? Why is April hunting the stands? Wasn't she booked for this match? I don't right. get it. Who's the guy that she's is with? Is that part of the show? Is that part of the angle? Yeah, right. Exactly. Why, why is she hanging Meanwhile, out with that guy? I, I, thought, I thought her and Slick were an item. I'm like, and again, and I'm, I'm not thinking, right. so to speak. Yeah, I'm talking creatively right now. But in theory, right, I'm thinking right. more about their safety. I'm thinking about the safety of the locker room. I'm thinking about the safety of, of innocent bystanders. Fans, right. Any sh- I don't know Slick like that, that he wouldn't have come with a fucking gun and blown out J.D. Michael's, uh, J.D. Dream, whatever the fuck his name was, blown his head off it in the fucking middle of the thing or shot her or fucking went complete right, right. O.J. Right. Simpson. I don't fucking know that. Right. I'm trying you know, to protect you know her. Happen. Dude, I'm trying to protect yeah. her. Don't come to the show. It's not safe because if Slick shows up, it could be a problem. You don't come to the show yeah. because, you know, if April shows up with her man, I don't want a problem. 
I treated them as fairly as possible right down the middle, man. It's just better off both of them would have been off the show, not physically there. So that way everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. The show goes on and no one can be compromised, whether it's a fan, like you said, or even one of them. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. that ended up straining my relationship with both of them, which to yeah. this day boggles me. Yeah, and I hope that... The middle. Yeah, right. And I, I, I hope that that 15 years later, when you look back at what happened and the deterioration of your relationship and what I tried to do to protect you, to be fair, to be even, that you don't hold that grudge against me. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not bringing it up now to, to, to open old wounds, but I'm saying it because right. it's something that happened, something that people need to know what really happened. Because if you have that DVD and you're trying to figure it out, if you see April with somebody else, if you're wondering why Slick was advertised against Kazarian and you got Jay Lethal instead, I'm explaining. I'm explaining why you never saw April on, a, on, a, on another cyberspace show, which I don't think she ever came back right. after that. You've had a toxic relationship, and the last thing you need as a businessman is to have that during your show. And, yeah. you know, compromising and, and basically potentially fucking up everything and yep. c- causing nothing but a distraction yeah. and potential danger. So Dude, that was I mean, the right call to make. And if no one can see that, whether it was then or 15 years later, then that's, that's a problem because yeah. I would have done the same thing just to you know protect my business and my fans who are coming. Because if the fans aren't feeling safe, then we have no shows in the future. And yeah. no fans are going to come because they're going to say, oh, did you hear what happened last month at Cyberspace? A whole fucking brawl broke out. Mm-hmm. So-and-so came over and they weren't supposed to be together. They had an order of protection, you know, whatever the case is. And they yeah. came to the show. I'm not going to risk going there next month. No mm-hmm. way. And then that, that just fucking ruins the business. And dude, I could have been a scumbag promoter. I could have been a scumbag promoter. Like, yo, listen, you guys are booked in the card. Work your shit out and just don't don't be next to each other backstage. You know, don't fuck. I don't care about your personal life. Just go to just come to work. Right. Right. And and that would have been the wrong thing to do. Right. My decision was based on keeping you both. You know, some people are leeches, man. They would have done that just to make money. Some people would have done that. They don't. I know know a lot of promoters that would have done that. Like, oh, you stay on one side. Who stay on the other? Don't worry. You guys don't have to see each other. You guys don't have to interact. But I need that match on. Ah, dude. I mean, I understand you lost the payday. I get it financially. I get it. And maybe Billy did do the right thing. Maybe Billy was like, hey, look, I know you struggle. I know this is how you earn your living. I'm going to give you something because, you know, we owe it to you. Personally, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. Your personal choice is taking a big risk. Yeah, man. We're not a company, man. We don't we don't don't give PTO. You know, we don't give paid time off. That's not how it works. That's right. I I had to use your money to pay your fucking replacement. Yeah. And, some, and the wrong person or anyone sees him doing it, like you said earlier, then they're going to be like, hey, you know, I can't make it today, but I want to get paid. I'm, t- I'm taking a sick day. Pay right. Me. Right. I mean, get the fuck out of here. I mean, we, we don't, we're an independent yeah. wrestling promotion. I'm like, come on, man. And if anything, right. be happy that I'm trying to keep you fucking safe. You just said this guy was a terror. He was, he was going to fucking kill you. He threatened to murder you. Yeah. He put hands on you. Well, so I'm you putting you in a... Seriously. Right. Yeah. And I have a feeling like deep down aside, she only showed up because she probably didn't believe me and thought that he was going to be on the card anyway. And then she was going to make a big scene. Right. This she is wanted to see for herself if she's losing right. payday and he's showing up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, so so he is more important than you. I'm like, whoa, whoa. First of all, I'm glad mm-hmm. that kind of glad that you came, but you would have read the results online anyway. That Slick Wagner Brown was nowhere near the building. Slick understood what exactly. I was selling. He goes, no, makes sense. I appreciate it, bro. I said, Slick, we're going to have you back. Well, but not right. It's too hot. It's too fucking hot. Cool it down a little bit. Yeah. Figure it out. Make sure you're not going to get arrested. Focus on, on your legal situation right now. Don't worry about this wrestling thing. Cool that shit down. Right. And then we'll bring you back. Yeah. The same way I'll bring her back. 
Well, think about something, man. In retrospect, what if Slick would have showed up? Can you imagine the heat? What, what could have happened? Thank God he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Can you blame him? No, the, the repercussions, if he would have been there, would have been, you know, like catastrophic. It would have, it would have yeah. been insane. So she should have never showed with, of all people, her new boyfriend, but thank God, you know, but a cooler mm-hmm. heads prevailed and slick didn't show up. Yeah. Thank God. Definitely. Definitely. But I, I yeah. got a feel. And again, like I said, love April Hunter, love Slick Wagner Brown. They, they're both fucking gems in my book. It's just. Oh, they were always nice to me when they came to the show. Yeah, man. It, it, you know, both you know, their, their personal life spilled into our, our fake fairy tale world. And, and at that time, I, I was doing what was best. Um, Billy didn't want it to happen. Billy thought that they should both perform. And I was like, Billy, there's no fucking way. I literally had to talk Billy out of it because he was like, oh, don't worry about it. We can do this. We can have Herb on um, before intermission and then put Slick on later on in the show. That way we can make sure we get her out of the building. Yeah. And I was like, Billy, come on. We got too much shit we got to do. I, I don't even fucking watch the shows. You think I'm going to have time to watch who comes in when they leave it? I was like, what? and what if one of them doesn't listen? What if one of them comes in and they bump into each other in the fucking park line? And she goes, it's like, we don't need that headache. Exactly. Just give them right the chance. fucking it night off. They bump into each other. Right, right. So, so you know what? Disaster, man. Maybe just to appease everyone, maybe it was the best decision. Say, hey, look, I'm going to pay you anyway. Just just so there's no hurt feelings so that we, right. you, you still see the commitment we have to you. But she, she made a mess of that situation that night. And, and it's very unfortunate because I have nothing but respect for her. I would love to yeah. work with her again. Like like she, she, had, she still has so God. much left to offer she still has it yeah she can still it and i don't know what slick's doing these days i know there was um this guy from ecw uh steve carell that used to work um the office he, he was um one of yeah, paul Heyman's right hand guys yeah, yeah he was doing like underground wrestling or something like that it, oh, was, really? it, was, it was it was like a ghetto wrestling organization where it was like a fight club but then everybody had a lot like a you know they were part of a gang or something like that and it was weird and I know Slick was part of that a while ago, but we're talking like, pff, fuck, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, right after cyberspace. Wow. Can't tell you why I didn't have April back. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure. I don't know if it was on me. Maybe I was bitter. Maybe I was like, well, I'm going to teach you a fucking lesson. But <laughs> I could have been a total asshole about it. Right. I, I honestly can't remember. I know I had Slick back mm-hmm. twice. Slick was supposed to be in, in that, that main event at the Baker Ballroom. And then uh, Bobby Roode knocked him out and won the championship. And then Bobby Roode defended the championship right, right, against right. Slick. On the very last show that we had, mm-hmm. um, and then Slick came back for the um, for the tribute show. I don't know right. why April wasn't there. I I, I know I must if have sent out an invite. Was, if everything was squashed between the two of them, yeah, she should have been there. Uh, yeah, I, I know I sent yeah. her an invitation. Um, I, I guess I didn't hear Unless back. You know the commitment. I mean, I, listen, I yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, know the commi- who knows what you know the reason. Yeah. I mean, dude, it, it, it's it's an issue. It's it's dealing when you're dealing with people. Like you, you've got to, you got to, you got to, like I said, put yourself in their shoes, put yourselves in their boots. Oh no, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man. Like if I, if I can't have that kind of relationship and that kind of trust, and you know, I'm all about trust and tr- and, and communication. If I can't have that with the people that I employ, right. and at the end of the day, that's what I'm doing. I'm employing you. I'm paying you to come work for me. I'm paying you to come and do a job. Right. And we have to have that back and forth trust factor with each right. other. And granted, yes, I'm going to take care of you creatively, yeah. but I also want to take care of you personally. And, I, and I'm concerned about it because right. if you're hurting on the outside, it's going to reflect on, on the match on the inside. You're not going to be at your best. Exactly. You're not going to give me the performance I need, or you're going to become a problem, or you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. There's a lot of aspects of protecting right. a locker room. 
And and I just feel like sometimes you want to have a good good experience, so you want to come back. Yeah, and, and yeah, we man. build the rapport that way. You know? Right, right. I I just wanted them to feel safe. I wanted to know that I still respected them. But most of all, my my concern was over their safety and the safety of everybody else involved. And that that right, thing could have got really heated. But um, mm-hmm. I hope I get a chance to work with April again. I hope I get a chance to to communicate with Slick yeah. again. I don't know if he's wrestling anymore. Um. But man, like I said, there were so many people that I wanted to discuss. Was there anybody else you wanted to bring up before we wrap it up? Yeah, well, there's one guy I was just thinking about. Believe it or not, of all social media outlets, I recently got in touch with Elix Skipper on LinkedIn. Are you kidding me? All, swear to God, he's a manager at an Applebee's now. Okay. And this was like a few months ago. Before, mm-hmm. Well, actually, shit, man, a year ago, right before the pandemic hit. All right. And I sent him an, IM, like an email, you know, saying, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Toddy D from Spider, Cyberspace, you know, blah, blah, blah. We started talking. He goes, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And, you know, he, you know, he's a manager now at the Apple. I think it was Applebee's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I read up on him. His, I think his, um, his son, I think, was, was, was murdered. Oh, my God. Really? And that took a toll on him. Yeah. Oh, he had a de- like a really close death in his family. And then shortly after that, he stopped wrestling. And he just got a regular job and he kind of like faded out of the scene. Wow. I'm not man. mistaken. Yeah. That, yo, Elix is a great yeah. guy. I was actually saving his name for the next he show. He's such a cool dude, man. Talent. Dude, Elix is, is, man, I've never had a cross where he, he's, dude, he's, like I said, he used to call me boss. What do you need, boss? I can do anything. Right. And I, dude, for some reason in, in the locker, I hated that fucking title. I was like, don't call me fucking boss. Call me Derek. Call me Diehard. Call me whatever. For you. Not boss, man. Just like, and they were like, hey, it, was, it, was just, it was respect. That's what it was. And I get and, it. And, and I appreciate it. I just, you know, man, like, I'm not there to boss you around. I'm, I'm there to guide you. I'm there to, to direct you. I'm there because right, I right. see something. And instead of you just navigating yourself out there, like, no, 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 let me guide you the way I want you because there's a story to tell. And, you, and you'll and turn. It's like driving a car. You can't let the car drive itself. The shit will go rogue. You need somebody on that wheel. Right. So I want to be the wheel man. You got to remember something, though. You have to remember, Elix Skipper comes from a big company, or a bigger mm-hmm. company in cyberspace. So these are professionals where they want to come in, of course, do their job, show respect, so they can get that gig again. These are the smart businessmen wrestlers as compared to the indie guys with no experience. But on, on the flip side of that coin, though, he is yeah. a TV guy who's been on pay-per-view, who's been champions. He don't need to give a fuck about me or call me boss or show me any respect. I'm the one that's like, oh, I saw you on TV. You want to work my little show at the PAL? Like, you don't have to come over here kissing my... But that's the gratitude that Elix had. Elix is such a good fucking person. I wish I had a locker room full of Elix skippers, man. That dude was tremendous. And then his performances, forget about it. Oh, we're off the hook. I mean, he was in top shape, great wrestler, great moves. As a matter of fact, when you go to the ring, he used to have a chain with Mm -hmm. the ring on it, and it meant the world to him. And every time before the match, he would take it off. And he'd say to me, come here, do not give this to anybody. You're the only one I trust holding my jewelry. Wow. So I put it right in my pocket. And as soon as he came to the back, I was standing there waiting to hand it to him. Mm-hmm. So we built the rapport up like that. So I mentioned that in the LinkedIn email that I sent him. He's like, yeah, man, I remember you. you you're one of the good guys. I used to ah. trust you my jewelry. We used to talk. And he brought up all the boys. And he was just like a, like a naturally great guy. Oh man! And if I had to build a promotion, I would build it around people like Elix and you know other people that we mentioned earlier today. Yeah, yeah, definitely, no doubt. 
Now, listen, there's a lot of people. Look, I'm, I'm looking at, at my screen over here, and I have an entire list of names that were homegrown talent or people that, that, that helped grow cyberspace that I want to talk to. But I know we've been doing this for just about three hours right now, if not more. And, and, and I want to give Todd looks like he's got to take a wild piss or shit over there. And I want to make sure. No, I'm, I'm good, man. It's, it's, it's the chair, bro. I, gotta keep, I have to keep adjusting, man. This shit is killing me. I got a freaking, I ordered my, uh, my leather com- computer chair. So I'm waiting for this shit. Yeah. So man. for now, I'm on a folding chair with a fucking pillow and a backrest. That's killing me. <laughs> so it's not that I got a fucking crap or piss. It's just that I'm very uncomfortable because of this fucking chair. Well, dude, listen, like I said, there's I'm so good. many people that I, that if, if we missed your name, I guarantee you it'll come up again. Our next episodes will be coming out soon. I mean, it's going to take forever for me to chop this one. But um, we're going to be talking about um, a dirtier side of NWA cyberspace. I, I know we brought up some things here and, you know, shit happens, but these are the local guys. I'm going to talk to you about or we're actually going to have a discussion about dealing with the quote unquote professionals, the big names, the TNA people, how we got the name, the NWA endorsement the politics and the dirty scumbag bullshit that went on behind the scenes that um, I'm pretty much going to say that killed the company because that company could have lasted a little bit longer, but there were a bunch of fucking vultures involved and um, it's going to get a little dirty on the, on the next one. And don't fucking hate me for telling the truth. If you want to, you know, rebuttal on it and feel free. I mean, I don't give a shit. There's a a comments below. Do it. Do what you want. Cut a promo. I, I really don't give a shit, man. It's been 15 years. I don't hold any resentment. I'm not mad anymore. Exactly. Believe me, if I'm mad, you're gonna know I'm fucking mad. But I love all you guys out there. You guys really with a heart and soul. Same here. NWA Cyberspace, man. I can't thank you enough because it was an important chapter in my life. And Toddy, I'm pretty sure it was an important chapter in your life as well. And and you oh, guys um, big time, my friend. Yeah, big you guys time. really helped make that vision. Uh, a reality don't forget to follow toddy d on social media he's got his podcast too toddy d's pro wrestling podcast yo speaking of podcast man real quick what the fuck when are we getting another episode from you yo man it's good it's in the books i'm definitely working on something but right now i've been dedicating my time to the midnight hustle and i love it i'm having a great time you know sharing road stories rehashing the old shit from 15 years ago but i do have some shit coming out soon on toddy d's pro wrestling podcast and I'm going to start getting my shit together, I promise you, because thanks to you, you're my motivator, man. So I have no choice but to now excel in my podcast. And yes, pull the strings, work, work the gimmick, whatever you got to do. But you definitely lit a fire into my ass. And, uh, you know, this is this is great. The Midnight Hustle podcast, sharing road stories with diehard Derek Gordon. I'm loving it. Looking forward to episode three. And I can't speak for you, my man, but I'm getting a lot of positive feedback by not just you know friends of mine who are fans, but relatives of mine who aren't wrestling fans who are Holy digging shit. the podcast because it's just like a document. You know, it's just us two guys talking about the shit, talking about what you know went down, positive and negative. We're not discussing just one person per se. So these people that I know who are not wrestling fans are thoroughly enjoying it, and you know they're like biting their nails waiting for more because they're so enthralled with the with the road stories with you know the delivery you have talking about the origins and the humble beginnings and where we got to and what happened during that time frame and then me adding in my shit people are loving this man so i think we got something good going and i'm looking forward to episode three 
Good, man. I appreciate, man. I appreciate your input. And, um, dude, man, I appreciate everything you did for NWA Cyberspace back in the day, man. You you were definitely thank one you. of the unsung heroes out there. And I'm really looking well, forward to Thank you for the opportunity, bro. With, uh, with the Toddy D Pro Wrestling Podcast. I, I, I want to be on the other side now, and you in the driver's seat. We're oh, talking about that's pro what, wrestling. You're going to be the first one, bro, because, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to have to do the gift of gab with no jabs like Derek Gordon. I got to follow the, the master here. So, you know, I got to – my plate's full, my man, but I know I can do it. Good, man. Good. I'm looking forward to it. And again, we'll be catching up soon. We, we start recording uh, episode three. I mean, I don't know what episode Midnight Hustle, but, um, you know, it'll be part three of the untold story of NWA Cyberspace. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure that you subscribe to the page here. I really want to win that fucking award that's like, yo, you got 100,000 followers. and shit. I want that YouTube award. I'm going to flaunt it like, like, like a Ken Scampi and a Danbury cock on here when I win that award. I'm going to swing that shit around. All right? So it's going to be fucking beautiful. All right? So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here. Tremendous. That's the Midnight Hustle. We're out of here. Can you dig it? <laughs>